Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Yay, it's Friday night. I am I am Pamet. And you're wondering why are you on Pamet? Well, let me tell you. We will have, this is like a so exciting, special, very special night here on Pagan's Night. First of all, it's Friday, so it's Corellian, Corellian Night. And tonight will be the Corellian Family Hour, where we will be doing the Ostara slash Maban ritual. So stick around for that. That starts in about 15 minutes. Then, after that, I am so excited. Did you see that poem, Witches, that came out last week on International Women's Day? Uh, well, actually, it didn't come out then, but it was it was really very well promoted by Up, Uplift, the the poet of that, Fleazy Malay, and I hope I'm saying her name right. I'll, I'll I'll know soon enough. She will be our guest here in about an hour. Aren't you excited? Well, check out the Pagans Tonight Radio Network Facebook page for more information on her and more information on the show. But in the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and play some songs to get us in the mood for both Mabon and for Ostara. And I figured, what's Ostara without a rabbit? This weekend, actually probably right now in Minnesota, is where S.J. Tucker is at Paganicon. She's one of the featured, she's the featured musical guest. And so I figured I'd play some uh, S.J. Tucker Rabbit song here on Tuesday. Tonight. came a calling to find a totem here to teach the foolish heart of man without installing fear. Many came and many went, but still the trickster paused. Bear and cat and tiger tried, but had too many claws. Dog and wolf, the wise indeed, had teeth to a quite a fright. And owl with his tawny eyes could only see at night. No, the trickster said at last, teachers I see many, but my way is full of laughter, and in you I see not any. But beneath the tree where eagles sat, coyote told the tale of silly hares cavorting in the old country of Wales. Raven stared unto the sun and crow sang awful songs, and a rabbit sat listening with ears so wondrous long. Aha, the trickster danced a dance of joy and victory sweet. He laughed a laugh and swooped a swoop and landed at their feet. Of all here now, the trickster said, you are the very beasts. But a rabbit said, I'm sorry, sir, but of all we are the least. The trickster smiled and raised a hand and spoke, I have a plan. The four of you shall help me to teach the heart of man. Raven, with your love of light, the sun you'll steal soon. For the gift of warmth I give to man to be the greatest boon. And crow, you silly creature who sings without a voice. Teach man of pride and helping, you really have no choice. Coyote, my friend, together we'll spin many a tale at night. Man by our naughtiness, what really should be right? At last he turned to Rabbit with a twinkle in his eye. You'll be my favorite creature, and here's the reason why. 
Dave the Bard, and actually a song that's usually played around Beltane, but it's Bonnie Black Hair. It's about rabbits, and it's about uh, sexy time. <laughs> listen, listen, go back and listen to the lyrics. Read into it. Very good stuff. Um, still trying to stick with the uh, springy Ostara theme for now, but thinking ahead of our guests tonight who lives currently in um, in Australia, I figured I would bring a spring tune. Even though it's heading into into autumn in the, the Southern Hemisphere, I figured I'd bring a, a spring tune from Australia, uh, Spiral Dance, from the Green album, Spirit of the Green. Mm-hmm. 
Jack running through the woods, singing up the summertime. And you know you'll never look back from where the spirit of the green will take you. Hey, oh, it's the green man Jack running through the woods, singing up the summertime. And you know you'll never look back from where the spirit of the green will take you. Hey, oh, it's the green man Jack running through the woods, singing up the summertime. And you know you'll never look back from where the spirit of the green will take you. Hello, that would be Spiral Dance from Australia. If you haven't had a chance to listen to much of their music, please go check it out. You will not be, uh, you will not be, you'll love it. (laughs) I can't talk tonight. This is going to be fun. We're going to have a poet on. And I'm going to say, oh, that word. Anyhow, that word is uh, Ostara. And uh, Maven, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, and that is what we'll be doing here in about three minutes' time. We've got the ritualists all ready to go, but I wanted to play one last tune to get us in the mood for Maven, too. This is Bell Book Canto. Canto. Have a seat. Take a pencil. Oh, I just did. I didn't spit. I, I, well, that's, I, I didn't, though. That's the important part. There was no excess water from my feet to the speaker. But we did do a great job of stalling. When does this start? Almost there. Not yet. Bum, 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 bum. Come now the seed to the full of the harvest. Come now the sign to the ripening bloom. Come now the earth lifts out to the far west. Come now. Sing Mary Maven and sing to each 
Imagine with me a column of white light arising in the direction of the south as we invoke the quarter. Hail unto you, O guardians of the watchtowers of the south, powers of fire and manifestation. With love and with respect, I call you forth. May we stand together in the gate of the south. May the white lady of the south rejoice. May the red lord of the south open the way. We bid you hail and welcome. Hail Hail and welcome. Hail and welcome. Now, let us turn to the direction of the west. Imagine with me a column of white light arising in the direction of the west as we invoke the quarter. Hail unto you, O guardians of the watchtowers of the west, waters, powers of water, and of emotion. With love and respect, I call you forth. May we stand together in the gate of the west. May the gray lady of the west rejoice. May the blue lord of the west open the way. We bid you hail and welcome. And now let us turn to the direction of the north. Imagine with me a column of white light arising in the direction of the north as we invoke this quarter. Hail unto you, O guardians of the watchtowers of the north, powers of earth and integration. With love and with respect, I call you forth. May we stand together in the gate of the north. May the black lady of the north rejoice. May the green lord of the north open the way. We bid you hail and welcome. Hail and welcome. Hail and welcome. I am air. I rise. I am fire. I arise. I am water. I arise. I am earth. I arise. Air, air, fire, water, arise and rejoice. Air, fire, water, earth, arise and rejoice. Arise, air, and rejoice. Arise, air, and rejoice. The four powers dance, and by their dance, A circle is formed, a circle of art to focus and to contain the powers we shall rise and raise herein. Imagine now a circle of lights surrounding you, circles of light surrounding us all, clear, bright, white light forming a wall around us, moving upwards and downwards, over and under and around all of us. A ball of light around each of us. A ball of light around all of us. Many balls of light and one ball of light. Many circles and one circle. May our circle now be cast. The circle is 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 cast. We... Invoke you, O goddess, in your name of Ostara, lady of the spring, mistress of the dawn. Your many colors herald 
the return of the sun, and you share them generously with the many flowers that shall emerge with spring. Mistress of the rainbow and of all arts and forms of creation and self-expression, we bid you hail and welcome. Hail and welcome. welcome. We invoke you, O God, in your name of Mabon, Maponus, son of Modron, central lord of the rising sun, of spring and new beginnings, lord of love and beauty, of passion and creativity, your fire, reborn, only just begins to burn in this holy season yet. We welcome the flame. We bid you hail and welcome. Hail, hail, and welcome. Oh, ancestors, beloved ones who have gone before, we invoke you and invite you to be with us this night. You who have prepared the way, walk with us and lead us forward. Join with us in our circle tonight, the living and the spirits together. Hand in hand, one circle, one family, one people. Beloved ones, we bid you hail and welcome. Hail and welcome. And behold, we come together tonight to celebrate in love the twin feasts of Osara and Mabon, the time of equal day and night when all is in balance and perfect alignment. So, too, are the two sabbats in perfect alignment. In the northern hemisphere, we gather to celebrate Ostara. In the southern hemisphere, we gather to celebrate Mabon. One sabbat celebrates spring, the other autumn, but each is alike in being an equinox. Thus, they beautifully illustrate the unity of opposites, which is at the center of existence. Tonight, we shall call upon the goddess Ostara and the god Mabon and ask their blessing upon us. Now close your eyes and find a comfortable position. Imagine yourself watching the dawn. Be aware of your surroundings and remember them, for they represent your inner state at this time. The sun is rising and a woman comes up next to you this is Astara, goddess of the dawn. Have no preconceptions of what the goddess looks like, but allow her to take whatever form is best for you at this moment. I am Astara, lady of the east, goddess of the dawn and new beginnings, mistress of creativity and inspiration. With my coming, the day awakes. All things begin with inspiration, just as the day begins with the dawn. What things do you desire to open in your life as you go forward? What do you desire the light of dawn to awaken for you? I give you now a gift, a seed. Receive this seed from me. See the seed as clearly and strongly as you can. Is it a large seed? A small seed? Whatever its nature, it is the perfect seed for you at this moment. See the seed glowing with beautiful golden white light. The light shines out in all directions, 
bright and clear and beautiful. Place the seed into your heart. Allow the light from the seed to expand throughout your chest, out into your arms and legs until it fills you completely. The light of the dawn, the light of new beginnings and inspiration. Allow the light to move through you, opening all potential. And at the center of your chest where the seed is, see the seed begin to sprout and grow. Does it grow quickly or slowly? Is the growth more prominent in one side than the other? Do you recognize the plant? And if so, does it have meaning for you? As you go forward from this place, the seed shall continue to grow within you, unlocking new potentials and opening new paths in your life. Now, let the image of a star fade. See the sun climb higher in the sky until it is directly overhead and then begins to decline. Imagine yourself standing in a field of harvest time. There are workers in the field bringing in harvests. Do the plants look healthy? Does the harvest look plentiful? The field represents the results of your own actions. So take note of and remember its condition. One of the harvest workers comes up to you. This is Mabon, Lord of the Harvest. Have no preconceptions of what the God looks like, but allow him to take whatever form is best for you at this moment. I am Mabon, son of Modron, Lord of the Harvest that feed and sustain the people, Lord of justice and honor, Lord of equal night and day. I live in the plants and lay down my own life that all may eat. Thus, I make my sacrifice as we all in turn must do, that life may go off forward. All actions have a consequence. Some lead to a rich harvest. Others lead to famine. Consider your own actions and whether they have led you to the place you wish to be. I offer you a gift. This gift may take any form. Have no preconceptions about what it might be, but allow it to take whatever form is best for you at this moment. Accept the gift from me. See the gift clearly as you can. What is it? Is it large? Is it small? Does it seem familiar? Is the gift anything you recognize? This gift represents the harvest of your good acts, the good things you have done that now return to you through the miracle of the harvest. It will bring you luck and success in your undertakings. See the gift shining bright with blue-white light. The blue-white light shines out in all directions strong and clear and beautiful. Place the gift into your heart. See the blue-white light from the gift expanding to fill your heart. Allow the blue-white light from the gift to expand throughout your chest, out into your arms and legs, until it fills you completely. This is the light of the harvest of creation and manifestation. Allow the light to move through you. 
helping bring your hopes and dreams to fruition and manifestation. Let the golden white light of Astara and the blue white light of Mabon move within you. Think about the new things you wish to create in your life as the year goes forward. Think about your actions in the last year and their results. Think about the things you wish to manifest through your actions as you go forward. Feel the energy of Astara and the energy of Mebon suffusing you in every part. Now, feel the light of inspiration and the light of manifestation come into perfect balance within you. Divine Mother Goddess, Divine Father God, beloved ancestors, help us to come into the perfect balance in this moment. Open the way for us and help us to enjoy the reward of the good we do. We will now open the crystal web. Let us find a comfortable position. Imagine with me the sleeping crystals in the web. All over the world, hundreds, thousands of crystals buried in the earth or otherwise linked into the web all sleeping in their cubes of white light. Cubes of light which slowly spin clockwise around the crystals they encase. Let us call into ourselves the energies of the universe. Imagine the energy of the universe coming into you, a beautiful clear white light coming down into you. To the crown of your head, a beautiful, clear, white light, full of strength and joy and love. The light of spirit, the light of being, the light from which all things are made. Let that beautiful, clear, white light enter you and fill you. Let it go into every part of your body. Let it suffuse you. Let it move within you. Be one with the light. Feel its power. Feel its strength. Feel its love. Now imagine that light most strongly in your heart chakra. Feel the light growing stronger and brighter in your heart. Stronger and brighter and brighter and stronger. See it shining out from your heart like a white sun within you. Now, from your heart, send out a beam of white light to your crystal access point. See that beam of light go out to your access point no matter how close or far your access point may be. See the beam of light from your heart connect to the access point. See the light flow from your heart through the beam and into the cube of light surrounding your crystal. See the cube of light begin to glow with the white light from your heart. See the cube grow brighter. See it spin faster. 
Send more and more light into the cube. See it spin faster and faster. See the cube transform into a tetrahedron, a triangle of light spinning clockwise around your access crystal. The access point is now open. Continue to send light from your heart into your access point. And in that light, let us set our intent. It is our intent to strengthen the energies of peace and love in the world, that they may be greater than the forces of hate and fear. Divine Mother Goddess, Divine Father God, Beloved Ancestors, we pray that you will lend your strength to ours as we focus this energy from our hearts into the world. We pray for peace. We pray for love. We pray for stability. We pray for the nation where we live. We pray for the world. I pray that love may overcome fear and I send energy of love and peace for all people of the world. I create it, I accept it, and I receive it by our will. So mote it be. So mote it be. So mote it be. Now see the light spread out from your crystal, traveling along the lines of the web to join with other crystals. See the light spreading through the whole of the web, illuminating it across the globe. Continue to send light from your heart into your access point and from your access point throughout the web. And may the guardians of the web anchor and direct this energy of peace and love for the earth and all her people. So mote it be. So mote it be. Now, let the image fade from your mind. It will continue forward without our further attention. Now let us give thanks. Beloved ancestors, you who have gone before, we thank you for your presence and your aid this night and at all times. For we know that you are always with us, beloved ones. May the blessing be upon you now and always. So mote it be. So mote it be. So mote it be. Beloved God, in your name of Mabon, son of Maldron, we thank you for your presence and your aid this night and at all times. We know that you are always with us, for we dwell in one another's hearts. Beloved Father God, may the blessing be upon you now and always. So mote it be. So mote it be. Beloved Goddess, in your name of Hostara, we thank you for your presence and your aid this night. And at all times, we know that you are always with us, for we dwell in one another's hearts. Beloved Mother Goddess, may the blessing be upon you now and always. So mote it be. 
So mote it be. So mote it be. be. Now turn with me to the north. See again the column of white light we erected there when we called the quarter. As we give thanks, imagine that pillar of light sinking back down into the earth. Beloved ones of the north, powers of earth and integration, we thank you for your presence and your aid this night and at all times. Black Lady of the North, Green Lord of the North, may the blessings be upon you now and always. So mote it be. So mote it be. So mote it be. Now turn with me to the west. See again the column of white light we erected there when we called the quarter. As we give thanks, imagine that pillar of light sinking back down into the earth. Beloved ones of the West, powers of water and of emotion, we thank you for your presence and your aid this night and at all times. Great Lady of the West, Blue Lord of the West, may the blessing be upon you now and always. So mote it be. So mote it be. Now turn with me to the south. See again the column of white light we erected there when we called the quarter. As we give thanks, imagine that pillar of light sinking back down into the earth. Beloved ones of the south, powers of fire and manifestation, we thank you for your presence and your aid this night. And at all times, white lady of the south, Red Lord of the South, may the blessing be upon you now and always. So mote it be. So mote it be. 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 Now turn with me to the east. See again the column of white light we erected there when we called the quarter. As we give thanks, imagine that pillar of light sinking back down into the earth. Beloved ones of the East, powers of air and inspiration, we thank you for your presence and your aid this night and at all times. Red Lady of the East, Golden Lord of the East, may the blessings be upon you now and always. So mote it be. So mote it be. So mote it be. Imagine now again that circle of light we created when we began this ritual, a circle of clear, bright white light all around us, and above us, and below us. See that circle as clearly and as brightly as you can. And now allow that image to dissipate as we release the energy of the circle. See it fade and grow smaller and fall away. As above, so below. As the universe so the soul. As without, so within. May the circle now be open. May the circle now be open. Let us come back to ourselves now. Settling back into the here and now, settling back into our bodies. And on the count of three, we are as we began. One, two, three. Now let us take a moment to clear and release all excess energy, letting it flow out of us like water, flowing down through our arms and our legs and out through our hands and our feet. 
returning to the universe to be reused another and different way. And this has been our Ostara Mabon ritual. I want to thank our ritualists for joining us. Uh, Archpriestess Stephanie Neal, First Priestess of the Corellian Tradition, Reverend Sir Mike Neal, Reverend Laurie Blackman, Reverend Ron Sorensen, Pam Kelly, Reverend Karen Kelly, Reverend Gary Strout. Thank you all. And I hope that you have uh, had a lovely ritual experience. Indeed. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Very always. Much. And yeah, thank you, have, everyone, uh, always for being here. <laughs> yes. I think it's awesome. I, I thought I thought it went very nicely. It um, did. And uh, we have a few minutes to uh, ritualists. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just to say it seems to be a real synergy among the ritualists. It works works well. Mm-hmm. I agree. Even I, if I have to crawl to my phone, I will always be here. <laughs> oh, <thank laughs> I <you>. know. <laughs> We're happy to have you. And we you. appreciate that. Yes. We do. We love being here with you guys. And we love, we love having you guys. I'm going to we go have away. a. Uh, we look oh, forward to it. Bless it be you guys. Good night. Ron's here with you. Thank you for Bless being here. Bless it with. be uh, okay. Reverend Karen and Reverend Ron. Night. Yeah, and for, for people listening who maybe don't understand, there's a little bit of a lag in the, in the phones and, and the system, uh, which is why we kind of stumble over each other just a little bit at this point. We're getting better at it. Yeah, yeah and you know it's a technical thing, right. but um, yay, we. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm very glad that it was this Friday. I'm sorry, and not next Friday because next Friday, Mercury goes into retrograde. <laughs> uh, don't don't fear it. Well, I don't think the chat, the chat room. You know, I'm sorry. I, I I don't follow it. I don't let it. <laughs> I just think it's funny. <laughs> well, you know, the thing, the thing of it is that, mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you work with it, it's helpful. Right, people yeah. are very superstitious in how they regard it. Um, yes. When I think, I think Mike was about to say ready something to... About... But I, I think it, Mike started it. I was going to go ahead and, and not, and maybe lead. That was possibly what he was going to say, um, is that, Mercury retrograde, actually, it starts on a specific day, but its effects are felt before and after. Right. There's varying mm-hmm. degrees. There's the, the shadow yeah. of, the, of the retrograde starts so I, I right believe before. what I was pulling up this week is it actually the effects started um, on the 8th. Right. So I didn't know I that already... it would be that many weeks ahead, but, I mean, it's two weeks before. And see, the retrograde is actually what what what's going on is is the planets are are you know we we go I don't know if it's specifically at different speeds, but it, the way it appears to us is that at at this time of the year, and it happens like about I think around three times a year or so, um, our you know Earth catches up with Mercury. And looks it looks as if Mercury is falling behind us. 
it's like you know mm-hmm. if you're on in the car uh, driving along you know on the the highway you see that car is ahead of you a Mercury we'll make it a Mercury why not <laughs> <laughs> nice Pam and, and as, <laughs> as you drive up on it um it, you know it slowly starts you know looking like it's behind you and then it catches up to you and goes ahead of you and you guys you know, and where you're supposed to be, anyhow. <laughs> so I, I don't know. And that's when we speed analogy. up and say, "Hey, <laughs> hey." Well, and see, that's the, the the thing is that people people who see that Mercury in retrograde, they go like, "Oh, this is horrible! I don't like Mercury in retrograde." But if they just like chill and just you know mm-hmm. understand how the what ride you goes, you're gonna, yeah, right. Once you resist, you'll bring into your life even more. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and you know the you thing know, about Mercury were... retrograde is is that were... it affects certain specific things. It doesn't mean everything mm-hmm. in the world goes wrong. Right. And those things it affects, things that it affects, it actually brings forward the problems so they can be corrected. Exactly. Um, the perception that it's a negative is just a way of. Um, of looking at it, not a particularly good one. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens usually around this time, uh, whenever Mercury goes into retrograde, I get messages and reconnections with friends that I've lost touch with. And that's one of the things I love about mm-hmm. Mercury in retrograde is, is that happens generally when Mercury's in retrograde. Um, oh, awesome. You just have to understand. Yeah, you, you look at what Mercury... Look at a couple of things, and 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 Lord Don, Stephanie, you guys can all jump in and 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 you know flesh out what I'm saying. But look at the two things: is what Mercury represents, you know, and like what Don was saying, what, what Lord Don was saying is that it represents communication and right. transportation, right. things like that, writing, <laughs> being able to log into a chat room. That's Mercury. Yeah. Hey, it took me 38 <laughs> minutes, but I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it'll just take a while. Um, and then look at what smirk? sign. I'm sorry. I was going to say no, the ahead, second Gary. thing is to look at what sign what sign it's in. But go ahead, Gary. Mm-hmm. That was Mike, actually. And I was just oh, saying, don't we think Mike. sometimes blame Mercury on things that maybe are going to happen anyway? Yes, I believe yes. that very much. And I, I am strongly in belief that sometimes a butterfly is just a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Ah! Well, and, and we deal with that a lot with um, being part of a paranormal team. And sometimes a flickering light bulb is just a short and a wire. Mm-hmm. Lord Dawn, did you see what I messaged you like about five minutes ago? The song that I want to play? Yes. Butterflies <laughs> win. That's funny. Thank you, Pam. <laughs> okay, maybe the butterfly was just a friggin' butterfly, okay? <laughs> wow. Okay. And that's very funny because I have to give a shout-out to Marianne K. Designs. Marianne K. from Marianne K. Designs. She just tweeted a beautiful pendant of a dragonfly. Okay, not a butterfly, but still. I saw that. No, it was it's a butterfly. A particularly beautiful mm-hmm. one. It's beautiful. I just bought two pieces from her. I'm excited. I can't wait for them to get here. She does lovely pieces. She Absolutely. sure does. Anybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about, my mystic gems. 
gorgeous pieces. All animals are beautiful in their own way. Of course. Yes. And, they're, and they, they still all have, have these turtles lessons. coming across me in the road. What's it telling you? What's going on? I'm going to live forever. Why are turtles coming? Longevity. <laughs> <laughs> I may not be breathing, but I'm going to live. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe breathe underwater for 30 minutes and then come up. I don't know. No. But <laughs> no, I love the lessons that animals Try 30 seconds, things. not minutes. <laughs> <laughs> animals and insects and arachnids and even even plants and trees they they all have like lessons to teach us mhm i like I'm, i like I'm, dragonfly lessons mm. i'm getting better the dragonflies don't bother me since i've moved down here um the insects are much larger down south than up north <laughs> and, and people yes. would more normally not think that that's true. Um, some of them are quite scary, especially your spiders. And I, I, I'm, I'm getting used to them now, little by little. Well, it wasn't their fault they was born. Oh, not not at all. They're here for a reason. They're just they keep the mosquitoes at bay and... I have um I have a bunch of uh skinks that live out uh, on my front porch. I love seeing my skinks. Um they're lizards um that are in this area. We didn't have them mm-hmm. in Texas. I was gonna say so they are some and of and those I... gorgeous. I, I have a what... couple that have um half of their body is a beautiful blue and the other half is uh some of them are red. I don't know if it's a difference between the male and the females. But I've actually. I think it's your age. <laughs> okay, I actually had two of them doing the deed, and yes, I videoed it because it was just—they were coiled up. It was interesting. Lizard sex. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have we have a cat colony here, and we have cats in our front yard and our backyard, and I leave the garage door open a little bit the cats at night and oh, once oh. we had a uh, mama skunk come in had three babies oh. in my garage they didn't spray anything she had the three babies she lived there and then they all left oh wow and uh we just didn't bother them so they didn't bother us but yeah right. we had a mama skunk come in my garage and she had three babies and now they're gone awesome i have a <laughs> i have a a funny skunk story. It was a little right? scary at first, I'm... but yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> they are they're quite beautiful though. Yes, they are. I have a my family and I have a way of summoning animals. We start talking about, "Hey, I really would like that animal." They they appear. They come into our lives. And I was starting a new job in uh, Nebraska where I was working overnight. And on my way to work one night, there was something in the middle of the road. It was moving like a cat, but it was like the size of a puppy. And I got out and it was a baby raccoon. It was like stuck on the road and it was like up, you know, it was like chattering up on the curb. It couldn't get up the curb and it was chattering at me like, help, help. 
And I swear, this is what I did, because I didn't know exactly, you know, if it carried rabies or anything. So I went in my car, and I got, like, a bag from from a a shop, one of those little plastic shopping bags. And I put it down, and it jumped in. I swear. Oh, wow. It jumped in. And I, I took it home, and the next day I brought it to somebody that does wildlife rehab. And she had baby skunks there, too. Uh, other animals, but I was telling this, I'm going to, this is like a two-parter story. I was telling somebody about this story and um, he, he started saying, well, um, I would like to do a skunk rehab. And he said, a skunk would never do that. And I said, well, yeah, it would, it would for me. And he's like, no, it won't. And that night, that night, there was a really bad thunderstorm. And I was driving from uh, driving my daughter's friends home after the thunderstorm, and on the side of the road was this itty bitty baby skunk. It was so tiny, and it had been separated from its mother, and it was right in the middle of the main road. And normally I would let the mom try to come and get it, but not where it was. Not it. It, it was too much of a risk for me. So I took it and we found somebody that does do skunk rehabs. But I told the guy the next day, I said, don't, don't test me on this. Proud of you for that. It was just really funny. Yeah. It was so cute. I have pictures of it somewhere. It they was are like adorable. All... We have a bunch of them at the it's... Moose Lodge and uh, we feed them. We throw the food out for them. The, one of the bar mates there, she uh, didn't know that they were vegetarians. And she was feeding the babies hot dogs until she decided, oh, let me look and see what they eat. Ooh. They were eating the hot dogs. <laughs> I guess they were hungry. Ooh. But, um, yeah, she she tries to get them to come to the door, and I'm like, are you crazy? Do you know what we're going to smell like? <laughs> I have to put my cat food away every night if, because of the raccoons. They come oh. in and they everything up. Yeah. Now that is my favorite animal to watch eat. <laughs> Raccoon. It is. I, I would leave the f- um, food for the they feral like cats. They do like to eat. I'll tell you, they, they love your everywhere. bird feeders too. Yes. Well, they are. They're clean. For an animal that's supposed to have, be oh. so rabid and, and whatever, they wash their hands before they touch the food. They dip the food in the water, then they eat it, and they wash their hands again. I know. They make my water. Thing out there, if I leave the food out there, my my water dish mm-hmm. with cats really gets bad. Yeah. <laughs> one night I, I, I had think a, it's amazing to watch them. One night I went downstairs because I have arthritis in my toe, and sometimes it flares up, and I didn't want to keep my wife up. I went downstairs to take, to to sleep on the couch, and I um, couldn't figure out why my bird feeder kept getting was. I had to keep putting bird feed to the bird feeder out on the deck. And I was laying there on the couch and startled me. I looked up and there was a raccoon was sitting on the on the railing of the <laughs> deck, had the bird feeder turned over upside down, shaking bird feet out of it. If there's food, they'll find it. Let me tell you. Yeah, he's just shaking it out like a like a kid or something, trying to get candy out of a thing. It was funny. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one night when we had the skunks here, Karen, she likes to sit in the garage with candles on instead of having the light on. And she mm-hmm. felt something on her foot, and she thought it was a, one of our cats. And she looked down, and there was a skunk on her foot. <gasps> it her so bad. Oh, wow. she, tried calling, she tried calling me on her cell phone. She didn't know whether to scream, run, or what. You know, so she just <laughs> sat there and shook. <laughs> but it just left. You know My what I was- 
Well, my friends, I'm going to have to go, but thank you so much for letting me be involved in the ritual. Oh, thank you for for being here for us. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Gary. No problem. (laughs) Thank you, Gary. Ron, I thought you were going to say something about scorpions, because you have a lot of scorpions down there. uh, I haven't (laughs) seen any scorpions. No, thank you. You're lucky. In Texas? Yeah. Uh, In Texas, yeah. Scorpions. Oh. I've seen yeah. everything else. <laughs> I know in Arizona they have a lot. And but it's, uh, it's we do have we do have a lot of cats here, so small animals don't really stand a big chance around our house. <laughs> you're you're no mice problem. You know, right? I wonder. My dad needs to be your next door neighbor because he 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 is a cat. He's the crazy cat man of his neighborhood. So he would love that. He and he's he's in San Antonio. Um, I believe well, we, we have uh, Laura Gonzalez ready for the the next next hour. I, I I'm not trying to to cut yeah. everybody off, but just to to let you know. And and our our guest has not called in yet. So okay, um, so we'll give her we'll a few more minutes. Well, right. I'm going to get off. But thank you, everyone. I enjoyed thank it. You, thank you, Mike. Thank you for being a part Thanks, of it. Mike and Seth. Yeah, I love night. it. Bye bye. Good night. Good night. I love talking to you. Yeah, I like hearing. I love hearing your voices. I love the ritual. Thank you, Ron. I, I think it's just awesome. And thank you, and thank you for letting us participate. Always. Thanks, Ron. Have a wonderful so, night. Uh, and and baby yeah. kisses, please. Okay, I'll go out <laughs> and kiss all the cats for you. I miss a baby. <laughs> There's a lot of but cats. But you can go kiss the cats you. too if you want. <laughs> In fact, if anybody wants a cat, you know where to come to get it. Karen's never let my dad. Go, so Please stop it. <laughs> Don't tell my dad. Don't tell my dad. He will be down there. <laughs> Come on down. We can take care of him. What color do you want? How big? How small? Male, female? They're all fixed. Yes. Come yes. down and take the pick. Yes. That's... He. He. We got a lot of I told you. He had a he had a a magnet on his his refrigerator that I think summed him up perfectly. It said, uh, "There's a sucker born every minute, and the cats all know where he lives." So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. We we have certain cats that live in the front, and they come in the garage. We have cats in the back, and when it's cold, rainy, or anything, we'll we'll open the door and let them come in our bedroom. Yeah, uh, that sounds oh, like nice. sounds like my dad. Um, sounds exactly like crazy. my dad. It's just crazy around here. See, I'm going to pull, pull – I'm, I'm thinking this is Laura. I'm going to pull her on. Is this Laura? Awesome. Laura? Maybe? Hello? Not? Hi. Uh, is this Laura? Or is this is this, uh, is this our guest? It, this is Placey. I'm, I'm trying to call Yay! through, but I don't hear me. <laughs> We got you. We got you. Hey, I, I can't work out if I've connected through the through the website or through Skype. So I've got two things open at the moment, and I'm trying to make it work. Awesome. One more, whichever one you're on right now is the one that's working. So awesome. Uh, they're both open, so I'm just going to keep them both open and not touch a thing. Well, this is Ron. I'm going to say good night to you. And good night, thank Ron. You. Thank you so much for participating and in Ritual. I love it, and Karen loves it, and thank you for having us. And I hope everybody has a good night and a wonderful day tomorrow. Thank you. You as well.
Thank you, Ron. Thank you. I'm going to say goodnight as well, but I'll be here listening to the interview, and I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord Don. Good night. Good night, Lord Don. Have a great evening, everyone, and I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful interview. We're so looking forward to it. Um, Just so you know what what you've come into, (laughs) the first part of the the first hour we we did a a ritual for, you know, we're we're heading into springtime here, and and it's the opposite where you're at. All by you. Yeah, we're heading into ritual. Yeah. So do we have four in the chat room yet? I mean, in the room yet? Um, I do not. How about we play a song and we go to the green room for a moment and we come back? Oh, good. Laura is here. Welcome, Laura. Is Laura here? Well, yes. How are you? Yay! Yay, Let's go ahead and play the Butterfly's Wing song uh, by Wendy Roll and then we can all speak and... So what we're going to do is we're going to bring bring all bring our guests in. Uh, we have three hostesses tonight, and we'll, we'll all like gab for a, a few minutes in, in in the green room and get a get a game plan going. So in the meantime, um, uh, do you know? Uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Is it it's a Felici? Am I saying it right? Felici, Felici, yeah. like a jumper. Felici, yeah. Felici, like a jumper. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I get it. Um, Felicity, have you ever heard of Wendy Rule? No, I haven't. We will have to introduce Ooh. you to her. She's from Australia, and this is one of her songs. It's called Butterfly's Wing. It's from the Green Album, and we're going to play that while we talk to Felicity. We'll be right back.
I got to I, I, I got to play two tunes from the Green Album because we were having so much fun talking in in aside in the green room that I'm like, Oh, we got to have it. We actually have to have, we have an audience. We have people listening. <laughs> we have to come out and, uh, and, and actually speak to them about the fun stuff that we're, we're talking about in private here off mic. Um, thank you very much again, Felicity, for being our guest here on Pagans tonight on a Friday night. Um, and that, by the way, the song that I just played was uh, Gaia lives from the green album as well. And that's Ginger Doss. Um, Felicity is, is contacting, calling us or, or connecting to us from, from Australia. So I'll, we'll talk more about that. But if you haven't heard her poem, uh, her spoken word uh, performance for International Women's Day of Witches, it's extremely powerful. It's on the Pagans Tonight Radio Network page, uh, a link to it. And we were discussing off mic um uh, about what it meant to us to when we heard this this song or this poem, and one of the things it meant to me, and why I'm so glad to have you here, is I wrote to you right away. I said, "Do you identify as a witch or Wiccan?" Because you hit it, you hit mm-hmm. to me what I wish we could tell everybody else who likes to think that we're like from a Disney movie or we're like from a, a Brothers Grimm fairy tale or a, a teenage supernatural, you know, drama. No, we are, are women and women, there's a witch in all of us. And that witch is that knowledge of nature, that knowledge of herbs, that's, that knowledge of, uh, and that being a teacher and a nurturer and I think that resonated with a lot of women, but that's, that's mm. what I got from it. So um, Lori, you got something different from it. I, you want to. Did you say Laura about... or Lori? Lori. We have a Laura oh, and a Lori. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, because we're so similar. Yes. Um, so when I heard it, yes, which I saw the witches. Oh, I have to watch this obviously because we're witches. The word No. Mm. And I'm not one of those women that aren't afraid to say no. No is in my vocabulary. It's been in my vocabulary forever. It is not in many of my friends' vocabularies. Listening Mm. to that, it did something, it reached something in me that has not happened in a very long time. I have not been touched by listening to someone express why a woman should say no or their right to say no because I've always had that. So for me, it was a way to reach out to all of the other people that I know that don't have that. Um, it was very powerful. And as we were saying in the green room, you've been reached by many people from all over the world. And I'm just going to bring up one in Syria. And I think mm. that that is what women need. They, they needed to hear it's okay. You have the right. And, and, and that's what the poem did for me. It, it, mm. it gave justification and the, just the power behind your word, that that one word. Mm. Laura? Mm. Um, well, <laughs> like everyone <laughs> is, I'm mesmerized by the poem, of course. And uh, first of all, good evening, everyone. I'm sorry. Good evening, everyone who's listening, and to Felicia and to everyone, my co-host, lovely Lori and Pamela. And, um, of course, like everybody else, I was vibrated with it. But you have to understand, you have to understand, 
I was born a feminist. I was born with a cauldron and a fish. (laughs) And uh, to listen to other women from other countries, from other ethnicities, from other cultures, saying this and coming from a country that is, uh, unfortunately, still very misogynistic. We have a very, very uh, misogynistic culture in Mexico. And I'm from Mexico City, for those who don't know. And growing up in Mexico, that was my almost everyday cry, like, no, and I'm not going to apologize. No, I'm Mm. a woman, and I have a right to exist. No, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. (laughs) No, I'm not going to sit with my legs crossed because it's uncomfortable, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So to see now as a feminist, as a witch, as a woman, as a priestess, to see all the women throughout the world coming together and having voices that are, uh, you know, lifting us up and raising up. And I love particularly um, what you said the next day when you explained what the poem was about, how women tear each other down. Yeah. Mm, That struck a poem with me in levels that I was like, oh, my God, why do you speak Spanish? Mm. (laughs) I speak a little we bit of Spanish, but enough to write a whole poem in, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, it's just wonderful to to see women, you know, talking about uh, fairness and uh, women's rights and, and, and how everybody has to have rights. Um, and to stop turning each other down because you're fat, because you're a bitch, because you're this and that and whatnot. No. Right. Let's come together and be a real sorority and be those witches that are not going to be burned. Mm. And mm-hmm. one of the I – I want to go ahead and as we lead into talking to Felicia, I wanted to bring up that International Women's Day is recognized and, and – and, and, uh, observed far more in other countries than in the United States. We, it's kind of like, Oh, it's international women's day. And to hopefully, I don't know how many, how you, how many of those views are from people in the United States, but I'm hoping a lot of them were because we women here in the United States need to, to make international women's day as important as it is throughout the world, which leads us to, Please <laughs> Thank you so much yeah. for the poem. Tell us about yourself, you, please, and, and your work. Uh, so firstly, I guess in response to the things that you've been saying is that the, I think what was so powerful from the reflections I've got from people, what was so powerful about the poem is that it does hit every woman who hears it in some way. And whether that's the, the, the idea of the witches because they identify with the term witch or whether that is the no in the, in the lifestyle of the misogyny of life, of, of life or whether that goes towards the Me Too um, campaign element of it. Um, there's something like every woman out there knows what it's like, I feel like, to have said no and not be heard and to have her voice pushed down and to have her voice quietened and silenced in some way. And whether or not they identify with the history of witches, uh, you cannot help but see it in today's society everywhere. It's, and it's being revealed more and more and more. And I think that that's one of the reasons it was so powerful. And no matter which culture you come from or, or what kind of like 
uh, demographic of person you are as a woman, I think it's pretty it's pretty pretty, pretty difficult to live a, an entire life without understanding without having to face that that concept of not being heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me personally, I mean, I'm going into your your question is that I'm I'm a spoken word poet at my core. That's kind of where I, it's what my art is. Um, but I work, I've spent the last five years working with women and with people of all gender identities, but very strongly with women on creating safe spaces for women's voices to be heard and also creating safe spaces for, for people to be allowed to raise their voices. And so I've done that through um, through programs and courses and I've done that through a, an event called Mother Tongue, which I run in Melbourne. And it's been, no. and I think from... When I set up Mother Tongue, I didn't really understand the power of what it was. And it's just through the last five years of really witnessing what, what happens when you have uh, a room full of women who are all there to support each other and to rise each other up, that you understand the power of that. Yes. So what exactly is Mother Tongue? So Mother Tongue is a woman's spoken word event that runs monthly in Melbourne. And we get two women who we think are inspiring women to feature, and we have eight open mic spots. So on the surface, it is just like every other open mic night. The difference about this space is the way that we hold it, and we hold it as a a place for passionate, powerful, vulnerable, and honest voices. So that means every woman who comes there is given permission to let go of whatever face, whatever mask she feels like she has to wear to be able to be on stage and just let herself be herself and let herself be seen in her truth. And that the the space is held in silence while people speak. There is no alcohol in that space. It's not a space to go and and get drunk. It's a space to, like, sit down, drink some tea, eat some yummy cakes on some cushions and listen to women speak their truth. And and it's it's given as a platform for for all the facets of women. So we get women uh, in their 60s. We get women. We've had um, 12-year-olds feature for us. We've had women from all around the world. We've had women uh, of all kinds of sexualities. We've had trans women. We've had we've had women of all body shapes, women of all hair colors. You know everything. We just we just really want to um, to Beautiful. create that space to say that every facet of woman is worthy of having a voice. You know, as you speak Wonderful. about this, this reminds me of of we just finished uh, doing vagina monologues. Uh, this is my second year being involved in this pro in this project here in in North Carolina in my area, and we we do it to raise money for uh, a women a battered women shelter here. Um, and the the monologues are all these different voices, but these were written for us, and we tried to tell the story. I love this idea of because that's what I feel like when I do the monologues. You know, I'm a disabled person. I would love, there's no monologue for that. There's no monologue mm. for, for my power and my sexuality. And I would, you know, mm. would like to be able to, to come out and say, hey, look, just because I'm walking with a cane doesn't mean that I'm not badass. <laughs> yeah. I would love yeah, to exactly. have that. And that is why Mother Tongue is so profound and powerful because I've get women who've never been to the space before. They've just heard about it. Sometimes we get 80, well, quite often we get 80% first timers in the audience every time. And that's of all gender identities. And we get women who've never been to the space. They've heard about it from friends. They've never written something before or told their story. And they write something and they put their name down when they get to Mother Tongue on the open mic for the very first time. And they get up there and they share their story. And I've had women come straight out of literally that day, walk out of hospital after being on the edge of, of, of their own life and turn yes. up with the band still on their wrists with a poem in their hand to share their story. 
and it comes oh, from a making... place of empowerment. It's a place of, of like this, that I'm, I'm rising. I'm rising. This is my story and I'm rising. That You're making wonderful. me cry. Laura, yeah. Laura, mm. Laura, do you have anything? <laughs> I want to try to give everybody here a chance to, to yeah. add. Uh, well, you, you will not hear me speaking on top of my colleagues because that makes me anxious and it gives me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> but I... Um, Lizzie, I'm really no, admiring you, every time Laura. that um, that every time that you talk about people of all genders, people of all genders, uh, this is something that we are still having a great barrier to break here in the United States. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, on the pagan community, there is a few people who are still having a lot of trouble. Uh, breaking or opening their mind and breaking that barrier on accepting and not accepting because they don't need to be accepted, but on nurturing people of all genders, how different it is where you are on your side of the world, you know, is it more commonly accepted or more commonly seen as what it is normal and diverse, or do you still have to lift your fist and fight for people of all genders? Um, I think there's both happening at the moment. I mean, I'm quite lucky to live in a city, uh, in a city called, well, I live in Melbourne, and it's a very, very diverse city in, in many ways. But the, I think, I mean, I'm not personally transgender in any way, but I have very close friends in my life who are. And I would say that, of course, like they are surrounded by, I'd like to think and hope they're surrounded by people who fully um, encourage them and accept them to live them live their lives as themselves but that doesn't mean that when they're walking down the street and when they're living their life they're not faced with um, with bigotry because that, that is just so deeply in our society and I think you can say the same thing to, for people of of different races and racial identities that like they that they might live in a city where they can surround themselves with people who are accepting but actually when you break out of the bubble of whatever safety zone you have um, that yeah we're still living in a, in a wider society which doesn't mm-hmm. um, doesn't understand and has fear and I think that that is that is a big problem and a big reason to be talking about this stuff and to create platforms for all voices because the profound thing that happens in spaces like mother tongue when people are given that safety to be honest is that we as an audience actually see ourselves in that person on stage and um, obviously mother tongue we focus on people who identify as women and so we we I see myself in that woman on stage and no matter what she looks like or where she comes from there's something within her story that I can relate to and put myself into and my hope is that when we then see when I see anybody who reminds me of her again I see myself in that person and I can begin Mm -hmm. to break down that othering and break down the, the judgments and the, and the shame and the stories that we create with that. And our society as a wider society doesn't actually create space for authentic stories. It doesn't create mm-hmm. space for authentic connection and, um, and not, not like you look on T, you turn on TV and nothing on TV is that authentic really. Even the documentaries these yeah. days are like uh, are, are angled and scripted and, and decided mm-hmm. on. And, um, and I think that that's uh, something that every human is hungering for is, is connection, is actual genuine connection. Mm-hmm. I I know a thing or two about racism, being Mexican, living in the United mm. States, and uh, I'm, I'm really dark-skinned, so it's like, you know, brown, dark-skinned. Uh, so when you were talking about that, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm, my head is just about to fall. Uh, nodding mm-hmm. yes. So my next question will be, how diverse is uh, Mother Tongue? How uh, Do you have a lot of people who come from different ethnicities? 
So we have, it seems that the mother tongue seems to go through waves of the different kinds of people that attend to it. And um, I think that at the moment we've got a lot of um, gender diverse, a lot of kind of queer and trans community that are coming, but it is very, there's a lot of, we've got a lot of white and Asian people who are coming at the moment. Uh, we've been through times there's been a bit more of the kind of um, Muslim and African community that come along. But um, the audience is actually, it's pretty, pretty white. However, the people that we feature, we feature pretty much every month. We're featuring people from all different um, demographics. So mm -hmm. what, I think cool. what, one thing that we have been trying to do is to create that safe space and making it, for example, to speak on the stage is free. If you want to go on the open mic, it's free to get in. There's no payments. And we keep the event at a low price um, mm -hmm. to make it accessible for all kinds of people. And I think that, um, yeah, I just, I just... I'm trusting. I'm just in trust that the, that the people who come through and the people who hear about it are the ones that need to hear about it and trying to make it as more available to as many people and as more accepting to as many people as I can for that reason. Um, I want to go ahead and let, let Lauren, this is your your show, but I want Laura to go ahead and say what her, her show is going to be on Monday because it is about gender, correct, Laura? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, we will, Go ahead and we will have, uh, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah, this will be actually our fourth, fourth installment on gender diversity. We have done two on Spanish, and this will be our second one in English. On the first one, we have um, performance artists and uh, some transgender and some gender nonconforming people. Um, that are not part of the pagan community, but they're part of the artist community here in Chicago and uh, New York, actually. And um, that is archive. It's archive as uh, gender diversity. And then we have also a couple that we did in Spanish about also the LGBTQIA uh, rights for people and all of that. And on this uh, show next Monday at um, 8 o'clock, uh, Central Standard Time, we will have our second gender diversity show on English with uh, Jake and Nate. Nate Metric and Jake Blake, I think. I I am blanking on their last names because I just know them as Jake and Nate. And they are wonderful people that teach and help people um, actually, you know, kind of like get accustomed to how uh, the transgender and gender nonconforming and queer community um, want to be addressed and, uh, you know, help people understand what the pronouns are and uh, what is correct and what is not correct and et cetera. And I know uh, Jake particularly for a number of years now, and I've been chasing them to be on my show. So they finally, <laughs> we finally sat together and got a date. So they are coming on our show. And they are fantastic people. Uh, one of them is vegan, one of them is not. And that is also another thing that I want to emphasize, like, uh, you don't have to be pagan to be on my show. You just have to have something interesting to share. And mm -hmm. so I am thrilled to have Jake and Nathan on the show on Monday. So tune in, uh, Pagan Society Radio Network, Lunatic Mondays, Lunes Lunaticos, every other week in English, every other week in Spanish. And this week will be in Yay. English about gender diversity. Ta-ta. That's fantastic. Thank you. Laura. Thank you for that plug. Amazing. Um, I I, I <laughs> thank you for that plug. I I have to to 
I love being able to to have here on Pagans tonight uh, people who are not necessarily pagan but who resonate with us, which is what when I reached out to you, Felicia, I don't want to give anyone the misconception that you identify as pagan, but mm. I, I love the message that you're saying. Go ahead. Can I yeah. can I speak to that? So yes, as, please. As, yes, please. For me, I mean, I'm, I live in Melbourne, but I'm from the UK. I was brought up in the UK, and I very and I'm um, pretty much the only lineage I've managed to trace is all Celts and Gaelic, apart from one Spanish guy, awesome. Juan Juan Fernandez, who uh, who who sailed his way up, I think, as a sea captain. I think he was a pirate in my own. That's what I would have imagined that he was this pirate. But um, but yeah, so we have this. Um, I have a very deep connection to my land, to my culture, and every time I go back there, I just went back at Christmas. Um, it is it is like being held in the arms of a lover that like knows me deeper than anybody else in the world. Um, I and know I think that, that. That yeah, and so for me, being on my land and um, being on the land of my ancestors is a very, very profound and powerful thing. And I did, I did go through a phase of my life of using the term Wiccan or witch. And, and like, I looked into Wicca as a, as a kind of thought process and a, and a belief system. And I used the word witch for a while and I used the word pagan. And I mean, pagan just means not one of the main, the main religions. Exactly. It, it was the term coined by the church. And I think that, um, that, yeah, I can, I would definitely say that I am in that, a pagan for sure, um, but my my real connection is to my land, is to my Celtic and- ancestry, and my kind of slow uncovering and rediscovering of what that is. I spent one summer cycling across the country and uh, cycling across England and then cycling around Wales, and the depth of connection I gained and the relationship that I gained from my land to me was profound. And I think that goes beyond any labels. I understand. I wanted to, I wanted to say when when uh, when Laurie and I or Laurie and I were discussing when you were going to be on, and she said that you were going to be on at this time, and I said that's the middle of the night, and she says no, she's in <laughs> Australia, and I'm like, I'm like, but her accent is in Australian, and I'm so glad. <laughs> Because because yeah. I I was like and I'm trying to I'm trying to put your to place your accent and and I'm I'm getting kind of don't 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 get mad at me if I say yeah. Essexy so, <laughs> don't get angry if I say Essexy but but kind of uh, I live in East Anglia so. <laughs> not totally Essex yeah. you know you're not my accent <laughs> no well no my family is Essex actually of my dad's a Cockney. Um, true born, born under the sound of Bow Bells, which is what technically makes you a Cockney. Um, and his family line are all very Essex-based. But I was brought up in a place called Staines, which is, if those of you who know Ali G, that's his uh, stomping ground in his movies and shows. And so it's out of cool. London. I was, yeah, an out of London kid. And um, But my accent, the way it is now, is definitely like... The accent of Staines is not the accent that I speak with. I went off to stage school, and so I think I... So I remember coming back from... Um, a year studying in theatre and I got back and I sat at the, at the dinner table and my brother turned around to me and goes, what are you speaking all posh like for? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think I definitely like, yeah. my accent isn't of my hometown and yet at the same time um, from being in Australia for five years, I've definitely picked up an Australian twangs when I go home, all of my uh, friends say that I, that I sound Australian so I think I've got this beautiful yeah, I, mishmash I, I, of places I have been I, inside I, I, me. I, I, I can hear that inside. 
mm-hmm. Australian. Uh, Do when you I was, speak other languages? Oh, I heard one question in there and I'm going to take it. Do I speak other languages? Um, I do speak a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of French, um, and I had a bit of Japanese in there for a while. Mostly my languages come from having traveled in the countries and I spent many years hitchhiking and sleeping on and off the streets. I lived a very kind of rustic lifestyle and um, had, you just have to, to learn languages to survive. So I would That's basically and jump in people's yeah. cars and learn I, to speak the language with them. But it does mean that my I don't my my grammar is horrific and my my sense of <laughs> tenses everything's in the present tense. Like life is just here and now. When I speak in French and Spanish, <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, Felicity, don't worry about the accent. After 20 years, people tell me I sound like a Midwestern Chicana from Chicago. So I'm like, whatever. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> It's other people's stories. It's not my story. It's your story. My voice is my voice. Your voice is your voice. Exactly. Um, I I like the. I was like listening to some other interviews uh, that you have done, and one of the things I wanted to 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 uh, to say is I don't think I've ever met anyone who ran away from the circus. (laughs) That that. Thank you, Pam. Uh, I may have just deafened you with my laughter then. Sorry about that. <laughs> yes, I did. I ran away from the circus, quite literally. Wow. It wasn't as dramatic <laughs> as it sounds. I wasn't like I wasn't dressed in clown face paint, wearing spotty pants and a squirty flower, kind of running off down the street with my with my wig flying off behind me or anything. But um, but I definitely I was um, I I worked in circus for a few years in and out and in the end I got uh, given a work placement at a circus in Wales a very very well-known circus and I got there and it just was I was just I was 19 and just read Jack Jack Kerouac's on the road and I was inspired by life and felt crushed by the circus world <laughs> which I'm sure I can't imagine until you've actually worked in circus and you realize how much bureaucracy goes on in that world and um wow. yeah and wow. I just I just I just got up one day and didn't go and just kind of left early left before I was meant to finish and didn't come back jumped actually I think I got on a, uh, a local kind of what was the, the, our version of a greyhound and went off to meet a bunch of hippies in a field and then just left that festival left that uh, wasn't even festival left that gathering just hitchhiking my way off around around the country doing what most 19 year olds should do which is just like that is wonderful <laughs> everything yeah. Was it that that has to be fantastic. Mm. That that is like everybody's dream, <laughs> just to be able to pick up and and go. Yeah, I think I, I, I it was it was a very interesting life choice, but it's and it's definitely made me who I am. And it wasn't the easiest life choice to make, but um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy for the life that I've had from it. It definitely gave me some incredible experiences. I'm just what, curious what because it was started? New Wales, if it was Glastonbury. <laughs> What did you say? Say that again. Because it was near Wales, I was wondering if it was if it was Glastonbury that you went off to to meet the the band of hippies. No, I did. I didn't. Because I didn't go to Glastonbury. <laughs> no, I, I have been to Glastonbury Festival quite a few times in my life. Um, but I, Glastonbury Town, it wasn't in Glastonbury. No, it was somewhere off in some. Uh, where was it? Like, along the south coast somewhere. I can't remember. This was like. God, I'm, I'm in my 30s now. This was a long time ago. But, um, yeah, it was just some gathering. Of, it was some forum of hippies, actually. It was some internet hippie forum, and I was just – I'd been hanging out and going to protests. I was a, I was quite an active anarchist and activist back in my um, – as well as being all, all the things that I could I, I, I don't, don't identify as to rebel against society as a teenager. 
and um, yeah, just went off to a field and had some fun, really. Well, <laughs> fantastic. Laurie's Lori, question is, is, is really good. It's how do you get from there to, go ahead, Laurie. From living in a field to? From, yes, for, from living in a field to then bringing Mother Tongue to stage. Yeah, it was a big, it was a big journey. I, um, I, went, I lived for many years in the UK, kind of going between um, share houses and then living on the streets in Europe. Every summer I'd go off and just live on the streets in Europe and take a couple hundred pounds with me and just see what I could, see what I could do. And then I'd come back and move into a cheap share house and um, decided that I didn't want to fly anymore. And in that choice, got a bit um, got a bit of cabin fever in the UK because we are pretty much not attached to anything except for ourselves, um, which yeah. actually explains our mindset yeah. a bit, I think, as well. So I decided to try and travel overland, overland to um, to Australia to see if I could get here without flying. And during that time, I also just before I stopped flying, had been in Canada and discovered spoken word. So I basically discovered spoken word a, a year or so before I stopped flying. So it became my kind of outlet. I'd been writing a lot, and so I travelled across the country, across the world, um, just performing pieces and and writing and journaling and exploring. And um, ended up living in Thailand. Got to Thailand with a hundred US dollars, and um, oh wow, found a way. To Found a way to make well, no, 100 US dollars left. I didn't spend 100 US dollars to get there. I think I, I left with a couple of thousand pounds and travelled for um, about eight months. Um, uh, couch surfing. Couch surfing was a really big thing back then. So I was couch surfing a lot and I was hitchhiking and things like that. And just by the time I got to Thailand, I didn't really have anything left. So I just kind of spent my spent a long time there. And then in the end, someone actually gifted me a flight to anywhere I needed to go in the world. And during my time in Thailand, I'd, I'd basically been paying for my stay by, by kind of contributing to the, to the community of people that I was living with and um, was performing a lot at this open mic night. And through that, I had kind of found my, A, my, my love and passion for spoken word, but also um, began to really see the, the deep, the deeper process of what it is to, sh- to let yourself be seen in public and on stage, which became the basis of my work now, which is really all about that when we're on stage, when we feel like we're being seen, we get uh, a very magnified reflection of how we show up in life. And so if we can actually see ourselves and let ourselves take off all those masks that we hide behind when we're on stage, then it can give us a massive insight into how we show up in life. And so when I left Thailand, I, I decided to just type in Australia spoken word and Melbourne came up number one, and I flew to Melbourne and got this vision of this event, and I did it as a one-off event, and I expected maybe 10 or 11 people to come, and we had about 75 people come that night. Wow. And at the end of the night, they said, when's the next one? And me and Vanessa, who was running it with me, said next month, and it's been running monthly for five years ever since. That's um, wonderful. We you know- a very similar turnout of people every month. You know what you've inspired me to do is to ask you uh, what, off mic if you could like email me and stuff as I would love to, and I think that this would be your legacy possibly, is to have us start those in our own community. You know, yeah. Lori lives uh, down the road yeah. for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question. How do you bring this to other communities, other parts of the world? Um, for here in the states, I know you've been to Denver, Colorado, and you've done. Um, a state presence there. Mm. Have you been to other places? Has any other community reached out to you? Okay, how do we start this? How do we bring this to our community? Um, it's just started happening since this witch's poem went viral, actually, that people have reached out to me. Um, 
I have done a tour with it around Australia. It's been to four different locations in Australia as a once-off event. I do want, I mean, my vision is for it to be existing in, you know, 50 locations around the world. But what's so, I think what's so special about Mother Tongue is that it walks this very thin line between being a sacred woman's space and being an entertainment evening. And so we get comedy, we get all kinds of things that are, that are really light and very entertaining, and we also get the depth and the insights that come from being in a room of women who are prepared to speak their truth. And for that to be held well is very important because it can it can go very wrong. And, um, and I think that I do really want to spread it out in the world, but when it does that, it needs to come with a level of training on how to hold the space in a way that upholds you know, on a business level, the brand, but also on the safety of the people who attend. Uh, it's not just like a normal open right. mic night. And um, so, yeah, I'm super duper interested in being able to do that and bringing it and spreading it around the world. Um, but people have to be prepared to take on the training that comes with that of, of, of how to hold space in a way that is actually are you, uh, entertaining and profound. Have you, are you familiar with the vagina monologues? I, I do all? know the vagina monologues. Yeah, I do. Oh, you do do that. We we, huh? we we just recently we we do this every year here where where I live, and and I know other places do it as well. And and I understand because that's what we have to do. Is this you know? There's a lot of things that we uh, bring up in in the vagina monologues that a lot of people find very offensive, and but mm. it's it's the 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 sisterhood the support that we have from all the women that are involved in this group here that I'm with is amazing and I'm sitting here going if we only do this once a year and I would love to be able to do this more often and then when I started hearing about your mother tongue I'm like oh, I can do that so I think that that would be a way that I I feel I'm sitting here I'm actually trying to jockey for choose me choose me <laughs> Because I think we could do we could do that, but I understand because we wrestle with that when we do. I mean, even saying vagina monologues, people freak out when I walk. I'm in the vagina monologues, and people are like, "Do you have to say that word?" And you know, it's yeah. funny that you said that now I mean, because I was bringing it up not too long ago, and I think that a lot of people have a very big misconception of what that is. Yeah. And it's actually mm-hmm. Pam had. Um, performed privately for me one day and it was amazing oh it, it, it was absolutely amazing naughty <laughs> thank you um i think with the with the the level of with the mother tongue thing is it is, part of it is that it might offend people but the other part of it is that um for example as a host as someone who's emceeing the night you're standing at the side of the stage someone gets up and they talk about um they talk about sexual abuse or child abuse or they talk about um, heartbreak or they talk about death and then they get up and the next person who comes up might have a comedy piece or might have a love poem. And it's about being able to, to clean that slate in a way that is respectful, but also very, very obvious that the the slate is clean so the next person is safe to get up. And um, also about kind of beginning to actually, it's a kind of a navigation process because if you, if you let go, we did a brother tongue for a while um, where some men ran one and they did some speaking and it was it was very interesting the the, the immense difference of the event of brother tongue and um, and it became, made me very aware of the power of of how to navigate and hold spaces you're going, you're halfway between being a a performer and being a facilitator 
uh, which is which yeah. some people are really good at one and not so good at the other. And I think that when I talk about the training, it's about that capacity of knowing how to hold space and also entertain um, at the same time. And so it's not really about being offended, but it's actually about mm-hmm. mental safety and emotional safety. Right. Well, because that, that is the most important thing, that everybody is safe exactly. and comfortable. Yeah. So whatever now, happened to the brother tongue? What happened to the brother tongue? Um, it, we ran it on and off for a year, for about a year, I think. Uh, and there, there seemed to be a bit of a, well, there was a very clear theme of um, confessions that came out in that space. And mm-hmm. there was, it, it was, it was much more sitting in the men's space world, the men's group world than it was sitting in the entertainment's world. And that's why I talk about this thin line is it's got to be both for it to be a safe space. People are paying to come in and they're, and they're not paying to be a therapist. They're paying for an evening of insight and entertainment, but also it has, the space has a, 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 an air of, of, of therapeuticness to it because of the nature of, of, of what it is. So oh, in Brother Tongue, it became a bit more of a therapy space where people were paying mm-hmm. money to come in and sit down and have men basically admit their their greatest fears and sins and or like I say sins in the in the the most lighthearted use of the word but like mm-hmm. in, yeah. in, in, all, in all the things that they've been through in their life and we'd get um it got to the point where one night one guy got up and he said something that meant that we actually ended up having to get the police involved and oh. I just realized that I couldn't hold that I'm already holding with mother tongue holding thousands of years of women's trauma in a space like mm-hmm. that I couldn't, I couldn't hold it for the men as well. It wasn't something that right. I could do. So, um, Very understandable. So, so yeah, it's, it's, I mean, like, it's, on one hand, it's a really incredible and inspiring night. On the other hand, you are holding, when you're up there on some level, that, I mean, anyone who's worked in women's circles would understand um, you're holding not just the women and their experiences of that moment, but the, the legacy, the history that comes from the, mm-hmm. the way that women have been treated throughout, throughout history. So it's it's it, I totally 100% want it to exist in 50 locations around the world. I just need to know that when it happens, it happens in a way that is supportive and safe and safe and will actually genuinely support and inspire women's voices to rise. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I'm very interested in 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 honestly afterwards. Please please communicate with mm-hmm. me on this because I mm. I want to have that happen. Here because I, I already have we have the groundwork with the uh, the women here that I feel like we could probably we could easily pull it off. Um, but yeah. but you know let's not let's let's talk about that afterwards because I, I I hope you're inspiring <laughs> other people listening to the show as well. Yeah. Um, now I I've got to <laughs> ask I I've got to ask this one thing that when I, again, when I was, you've mentioned it in, in passing, and then you were talking about it on, on a, on an interview that I was watching before, how much has having a daughter changed your view on being a woman and giving this space and your legacy and your connection with the past? And this is a huge question. I understand that, it is. but I'd like to know. It's, it's a massive question. I think, um, I don't know if it changed my view on being a woman because I mean, like I set up mother tongue two years before I even got pregnant, but it's, um, it's definitely my connection with her has reminded me of how important it is, not just for me and the women around me, our children, the daughters of the future, that, that we actually begin to make these, these, 
tangible shifts in, in how we as women can show up in this world and how we show up to each other. And so for me, creating a space like Mother Tongue, I've had other people say it to me and I feel it myself that I really hope that space is running for my daughter and the daughters of the people who are attending. There are already, there's a couple of um, single fathers who bring their daughters who are 12, 13 along to the event awesome. uh, quite regularly. And to me, that is, that's what this space is also about. It's not just about supporting us, but it's also supporting a culture of how, as we grow as girls into women, that we actually have something to turn to as a reference point of our strengths, of our power, of um, our capacity to say no and our capacity to be vulnerable and that vulnerability and strength are interchangeable. They are one and the same and they're not two different. They're not yes. opposing things. Yes. Yes. When you I, I have bet, men I've that been, bring their daughters, do they stay or do they? Yeah, it's, yeah so the audience they, is, they, okay. is gender inclusive. So the audience is, is uh, we have non-binary people, we have, we have men, we have women, and um, and what I, that's one of the great things about that space is I had, when I first set it up, I had this thought of like, well, what if throughout history men had been um, invited into women's circles to witness? Right. Would that have changed? Would that have changed the way that we were being treated? Would there be more That's how I in think that? of Red Tent. Yeah. Yeah. Men are just as affected for patriarchy and all the violence on patriarchy as women, if not. I wouldn't say more. I don't want to say that. But, you know, they, they cannot be. They cannot have feelings. They cannot cry. They cannot. There are so many things that are limited for them because they are men and they are born into this oppressive system. Right. Definitely. And actually running Brother Tongue, if anything, showed me how immensely it is needed, how spaces like this are needed. But um, as a, probably the men's women have been running women's circles quite like it's quite a prolific thing these days to have women's circles around i see it in like in australia in melbourne in like you know your average neighborhood like you know suburban middle class neighborhood women's circles and that that wasn't a thing when i was a kid but i feel like it's quite a prolific thing now whereas you go into the men's world and it's like you know beer and bubs you know take your take right. your baby down the pub and have a beer or you the men's shed where you kind of like get to work on something and it's that that space held for um depth and emotion is still very new it's very fresh and it's still upcoming and I think that the bringing that into the world is just as important as women connecting with their own strength and their own safety so after your performance of witches how do you feel the male population resonated with that I've had a mix of views I've had some very um, supportive a lot of very supportive men reaching out to me and thanking me and saying that it's very much inspired them as well. And, um, and I think that that's been a really amazing feeling because didn't, it didn't even occur to me how men would react to it when I wrote it because it's not a – it's like it's, I don't right. mention men in there once. I don't blame men. Exactly. I don't mention men because it's not about men. Like the, the, exactly. the, the they that I talk of isn't men. The they that I talk of is society, is the way that culture has, cre has treated women. And that's not just men. It's women as well. But it's been interesting the amount of defensiveness that I've received from from men um, and from some men in my life as well, close to me, who who jump to um, yeah they jump to you know the why are you hating on men and 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 not all men and um, there were men witches too and this sort of stuff and I'm like cool I hear all that 
write a poem about it, celebrate it. Like, exactly. That See, that's what I was trying that's to understand and get at because I did read some of the comments and I was a bit confused because it, it's <laughs> they're, they're not listening to the words. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think you're not, we live in a society... Go on. You, you weren't targeting anybody. Mm. Mm. And I think also that there's this, we, we do a lot of projecting of our own stories, like all of us do. I do it a lot as well. And so we'll see yeah. something and we'll project what we're already thinking onto it, what we're already feeling, what's already lying dormant into that story. And um, and I think that there's also this idea that, that when someone shows up, they're expected to show the whole story, like every single facet of that story on their mm-hmm. four minutes Vimeo video or whatever and that's impossible it's actually impossible the only stories that I can tell are the stories that come to me and are true to me they're my stories and right. um and I fully support people who want to tell their stories and share their stories and um and yeah I just think that 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 it's been I I didn't even consider how that there would be any kind of a response from men at all about the poem because it, to me it wasn't it was my story as a woman and my experience as a woman speaking to other people who understand my experience. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Well, but I, what I found really interesting is the person who brought it to my attention was, was Ed, you know, and it resonated a lot with him. And, and I, I don't want to say that everybody in the pagan world is more enlightened because that's not true. But I think that because we, we are, uh, because of who we are and our understanding of, of the, the, the nature of the gender and, and the, and the mass and the word masculine plays in that, that there's got to be that balance. Um, I, I'm, I'm very grateful to Ed for bringing this, this poem to, to my attention. Uh, and it's sad because it's, it's frustrating because what I'm hearing you say, Felicity is, is that brother tongue is obviously very needed but the men don't have a way to, to, to celebrate it. There's still a lot of anger. There's still a lot of hurt and the confessions. And there's got to be a place for, for them as well because they are reacting to maybe they're reacting to the fact that we can connect. Maybe they are reacting to with, with a, maybe a, 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 and this is just me, you know, supposing maybe they're jealous that we can have this, 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 Connection. Connection. But I, I wish that they could understand how much women can be our worst enemies, and and that this is, in a lot of ways, a lot of respects, almost a new thing for us to start saying, "Hey, look, we don't have to cut each other down because, you know, I'm I'm heavy, you're uh, blonde. We we need to to work mm. on building." each other up and I'm hoping men will come <laughs> soon to that I, I, I also wonder if it's if it's connected to the unpacking of what feminine identity is and what masculine identity is and the women have been unpacking what is feminine for, for hundreds of years now like you go back to the suffragettes and they were unpacking what they were told femininity was back then you go before the right. suffragettes and we were unpacking what is femininity to us back then but I, I I mean I don't know I'm not a man but I feel like the conversation of unpacking what what masculinity is or what it is to be a man in this day and age is only just beginning to be to 
be unpicked. It's 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 just it, there's been one single story of what that is throughout history, or a very strong story of that throughout history, and it's only beginning to be unpacked. So although as women there is a lot of work that we're still doing, especially with each other and how we relate to each other <laughs> as women. We've already done a lot of unpacking about what actually it means to be a woman and what it means to be feminine. And so to, to step up there and to t tell our stories of trauma with a sense of empowerment and a sense of strength is, is possibly, um, easy is not the term, but maybe it comes, it comes more naturally to us at the moment. I mean, I'm talking very broad here. It's not going to be for everybody. I totally right. understand. But mm -hmm. I wonder if, if socially... Um, Socially, the unpacking of, of what it is to be a man and unpacking of masculinity is, is still fresh, that actually that, that, that they're, st they're still beginning to realize the trauma that's there, to realize what that they've been taught to be, that they've been taught not to, to feel their emotions and to own that mm -hmm. story before they can actually... Um, and so, the, the, so they're, the step of actually telling the stories with an empowering thing is still is still coming, and it's still it's still they're still stepping into it. But that that's just that can only be a reflection of my observation of of one of the space that I held for one year in one city. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what it brought up to me. And I feel. I feel that a lot of the uh, – there's two things. I, I just want to bring up one thing, and I want to go back to what you said specifically about about Melbourne. Um, I feel that that's also this unpacking of what – of gender identity is also where we're getting a lot of people yeah. uh, questioning and, 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 and challenging and redefining what gender – what their gender means to themselves. I think that that's part mm. of where this is coming from because everyone's like, well, where was – there weren't trans people when I was. Yeah, there were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there exactly. were. Yes, no. they were. <laughs> there forever. Exactly. Yeah. But Melbourne and, is. Go on. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You you speak no. on that, please. But I want to go back to Melbourne specifically. Go ahead. I must show you. Um, just that that uh, I think that the unpacking of of that is um, the the. No, I lost it. It was there and then it's gone. So you go. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, um, see, <laughs> I, I've I've had the I've I've had a life where I've traveled a lot as well. Um, I've lived in 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 England. I've lived in in Germany. So I understand what you're talking about. The difference between, you know, Europe proper and and England. Um, I've never made it down to. Uh, to Oceania. I never made it down to Australia or New Zealand, but I have a daughter who, who lives in New Zealand. But I see some similarities in the culture of, there's some similarities in like American uh, frontier, manly man type culture that I see in, in a lot of Australian men, that really tough, yeah. that really macho. And it, yeah. it's different than British men, I feel. But British men have their own way of the more stoic, you know, stiff upper lip masculinity. Mm. That's oh, there's, there's all so, kinds of masculinity in England. I mean, if you go into the Cockneys, it's it's real like, like it's <laughs> a deep loyal. Like the Cockney men are deeply loyal, but if you get on the wrong side of them, you are in trouble, right? It's mm. like it's it's. Yeah. it's, it's, it's it's, I mean, like my dad, I think about my dad, he grew up in, in an era of, of severe gang warfare. I mean, the, I think it was the, the right, oh no, not the right brothers, what they're called, the, um, I've forgotten their name, but there was these two brothers in, in East London at the time who were immense 
like immensely feared gangsters and there was a lot of people that were, the Cray brothers, that's it, the Cray brothers were around when my yeah, dad was growing oh, yeah. up. And it was it was a masculinity based on violence and based on alpha power in in the level of like who has like who respects me the most through fear. And right. um and I think that, that, that definitely there's in the UK and in Australia and in America there is that level of masculinity. It, it permeates a lot of different cultures. I saw it in, I saw it when I lived in Thailand, I've seen it in uh, in France, I've seen it in so many places that um that it just kind of seems to have seeped into a lot of and it just it does show up in different ways. So in like England you've got the, the you know, the lagerlouts, the footy boys, I have it, that kind of <laughs> that kind of world. And then you've got like in America maybe you've got the you will call me sir kind of like father figure you know and then you've got um yeah. in australia you've got the kind of like the aussie aussie like country guy who's like yeah yeah oh mate yeah like this who's like really putting <laughs> this, this like this strength in in that way and i think that it's 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 the same it's products it's, it's just different expressions of a very similar thing which is that to be a man you have to fit a very certain and women have it too to be to be identifying with one mm-hmm. of these genders means you have to fit a very specific um uh like checklist of how that shows up and we that goes back to what oh, i was going to say is that's beginning to be unpacked that's beginning to be unpacked about the fact that um that the that the masculine and feminine are perhaps opposites that perhaps they're not opposites perhaps they're just different things with different elements and we can actually contain both or neither of those things depending on on how we I- identify as a human I believe that and that's just it, identifying as a human instead of a male or a female. Mm. Laura, I was Laura, I, say I knew that. that was... <laughs> okay, can I talk? No, yes. <laughs> what no, I was no, going to no, say no, is, Laura. Uh... Laura, go ahead, Laura. <laughs> okay, what I was going to say is, I lost my train of thought by now. Uh, oh, that it doesn't need to be that absolute. You know, you're male, you're female. Again, what I was saying earlier, you know, I remember as a young girl, like, you have to sit a certain way, and you have to put your legs together if you're a woman, and I'm like, why? <laughs> That's uncomfortable, mm. you know? So, mm. like, it's breaking, even breaking that into, it's not two identities, or it's not four or five or seven, it's it's each person, you know, case-by-case case basis, if you will. Right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Fleecy, now that I have the chance to actually get a word in, <laughs> um, I, I really, I really am curious about uh, when you wrote this poem. What was going through your head? How long ago did you wrote it? And if you have written anything after March eighth? Mm. So, um, so when I wrote the poem was towards the end of last year. And it, all of these things are obviously concepts I have thought about in my life and over the years. Like as a woman, I think it's hard not to kind of confront some of those things and have them as, as kind of they kind of sit. Oh, the way a lot of my poetry works, especially the pieces that make a big impact, is they kind of sit as a feeling in my body for a long time, and I and I kind of surrender to the idea that they're going to be a poem one day, let it go, and then it just comes out. And that's how it came out. That's exactly as it was written. Um, I didn't edit it, and so what was happening at that day was I was actually driving to meet a dear friend of mine, Tathra, and I was driving through the city. And as I was driving along, these words started pouring into my head uh, from this poem. And I was like trying to memorize each line. It was like, it was like someone was throwing each line at me one at a time and I had to catch it and add Mm -hmm. it to the list in my head and run back over them. So I didn't forget them. 
And I remembered this incredible TED talk by Elizabeth Gilbert, where she talks about, I think it was Tom Waits who's driving along and the, a song is being thrown to him by his genie, the genius, you know, the genius self is throwing a song at him. And in the end, and I call it like, but the universe is giving me this song, right? And so he's driving along and he's just like, he just like, as he's driving, stops in his mind and looks up and just goes, you know what? If you really want me to have this song, you're going to wait. You're going to wait till an appropriate moment. This is not an appropriate moment to give me a song. Thank you very much. I am busy. I am busy driving. <laughs> and then the idea is that he then drove off, got home, and the song came back to him when he got home because quite often what happens, and you may notice, like with a train of thought, the thought process comes in, and if you don't catch it, it'll fly away and maybe mm-hmm. hit somebody else. And so I was driving along and I could feel this poem coming through. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to try it myself. I'm going to give that a go. And I did. And I, I said out loud, I said, you know what? I am busy right now, universe. And if you really want me to have this poem, you are going to wait until I can actually write this down. And um, I pulled out of my car and I typed down on my phone what it was I had already. And then I went off and I had chai with my friend. And then I went and by the time I got home, it was like pouring into me again. As I pulled up into the driveway, I got to my computer and just typed it out and pretty much straight up um, went onto Facebook Live and performed it. And that was just mm-hmm. on my personal profile with no boosting. And it got 22,000 views in the month. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like, not, uh, not comprehending where it would go in the future. And, um, and what happened is three days after I wrote that poem, the Me Too campaign mm-hmm. started. And, oh, and wow. I think for me, what it was, was there was, a, there was something being said in the unconscious of women, in the, you could call it uh, in the universe, in that kind of shared consciousness mm-hmm. of women, that we were feeling a stirring, that something had to change. And... And we were all got to that point where, where we all felt it and it came through in different ways for different people. I'm sure there are other artists who would have written something around that time that was similar. And my poem came out and three days later, the Me Too campaign took off and it, was, it, was a, it literally was a united voice from women all over the world that were saying enough. And um, so, yeah, I think it was very connected to that, to that, kind, of, that kind of mass consciousness that was, that was happening around that time. No wonder it has the force that it has, you know, and we can all feel it, of course. And uh, mm-hmm. 1.5 million views means, you know, it went across uh, ethnicities, ages, cultures, etc. Um, yeah. So how do you go from that to making this wonderful video that we'll share uh, one and a half million times? So I was, um, I actually reached out to a couple of people who I know who are directors to try and find the right person to make the poem for me, but it hadn't clicked. And one of my friends, Ian McKenzie, who's a director, and he's from the Canada, and he came over to the Melbourne touring his film called Amplify Her. And his film is about kind of looking at the rise of, the, he uses the term, the rise of the feminine in the electronic music industry in North America. It's, I really enjoyed the film. And, um, and for me, it's about the rise of women's voices in music and what women give in and what they have to go through to, to, be, to be themselves in music and where that music comes from. And so I ended up performing at his film launch in Melbourne and he saw that piece and I'd previously contacted him and he's like, Oh, I'm quite busy at the moment. But when he saw that piece, he was <laughs> like, look, <laughs> and, um, and he, I went and met him up in Byron, um, which is a couple of thousand kilometers North of Melbourne, uh, mm-hmm. about a week, a week or two later. And he connected me up with Uplift Connect and they made the film, um, on my suggestion that it went out on international women's day and they said yes. And so basically it was, it was such a quick event. It was, I was just hanging out in this Airbnb and this guy turns up and he sets up his camera. I stood in front of it. 
we filmed it, we did two takes, and he smiled, and we shook hands, and he left. And wow. Then, you know? There wow. Was, like, it was a pretty, and, and, like, you know, Ian was helping direct it, but the direction was as simple as, like, you know, should I hold the light here, or should I hold the light there? Where in the room should she stand? It wasn't like a, oh, let's, let's do all these, like, what, you know, how can we portray this in a way that's going to be, they were just, they're just artists. The two of them are just artists with film, and that is, the, the visuals of the film is very much in credit to those two men who filmed it. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful of you. Uh, and, and, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. glad that you're you're giving them credit, but it's it's you're, you're you need to. You did it. I mean, I'm not trying to oh, yeah. downplay I mean, anything about them. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, my, my, my poem is my words. The strength of the writing is my words. The, the, the strength and the power of the voice is mine. The, my, my, my own showing up on that camera is all me. Um, but yeah. I, I have filmed a lot of poems in my time. And as, the aesthetics and the, and the talent to be able to visually capture something in somebody does take skill. No, they I have, can't I have you. For videographers oh, they definitely caught what you. they did was they caught me and um, yes. I'm so grateful to them to be able to catch me because I, like I said I have had a lot of films done that didn't catch me and they also created a space where I felt safe to actually be me and to be in my strength in front of that camera I felt encouraged and supported to do that um, so that's great that that was I, I, I totally do give props to them and it wouldn't it wouldn't have gone like as much as I as I can see the power in the poem, it wouldn't have been able to go viral without the support of Uplift Connect because because they have 1.7 million followers, whereas I had 300 people who followed my page page on Facebook at that time. You know, it's right. there there's there's the element of making something accessible, and I'm mm-hmm. really uh, I feel very honoured that 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 they made that accessible to people because it meant so many more people had access to to the power of those words. And please, I yeah, am I just very wanna... glad they did. Go ahead. And um, I just want to let you know. That uh, I have friends that, you know, follow the show from Argentina, from Brazil, from Colombia, from Chile, from Spain, and everybody is in love with it, you know, so, <sighs> yeah, it's it's all over the world. And uh, my, my question, next question I was going to ask you is, um, after you, I don't, I don't know if you grounded already after knowing that one and a half million people have seen your video, but have you written anything since? Or inspired <laughs> by the events. Um, I have written one thing, but it's not. I didn't complete it. It wasn't a finished thought, um, and it actually was inspired by. It was before the poem went viral, but it was since I wrote that poem, and I was at a festival called Seven Sisters Festival the weekend before the poem was released. And um, it's a woman's festival where a couple of thousand women come together, and we we do workshops. And I was at this incredible workshop by this woman who um, Danielle might have been a name. I'm really bad with names. She's a, a, G, a GP and a um, also in a Torres Strait Islander indigenous woman. And she include, she was like doing this talk where she was including her doctor stuff in with her indigenous um, spirit connections and her, her deep spirit Ooh. work that she has. And it was the most incredible talk about it, very much based around the science of the hormones of a woman's menstrual cycle, but with this, deep understanding of the cycles of the moon and the, and the spirit and the, and the, the, the connection of, of that we shared with the earth. And it was, it was an incredible talk. And in it, she mentioned something along the lines of if, you know, we, we aren't safe to speak up yet, but the difference is that if you, if, if they string us up, we will cut you down again. Yeah. So if they string you up onto mm-hmm. that pole, 
to burn you, you have women now who will cut you back down again. And I think that that's, so I wrote a piece um, that was, I started writing a piece that was based on that concept of, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's not, I'm not saying that we're safe to speak, but I am saying that, that, that you will not be burned. You might be burned, but you won't be on a, on, it won't be, you know, on a pole tied up. You, you know, mm-hmm. people will say stuff to well, you, but we will there. not really be burned down. Yeah. So we're there, exactly. You, so we're there for each other. I was going to ask you about the indigenous, uh, the the word escapes me, Um, how much they're included in in what you're doing with mother tongue. Do you have very, I I, I don't know. I'm totally ignorant, uh, only what I see on television, like how a lot of people are about Mm. what goes on here in the States. But do, do they participate? Is it a safe space for the indigenous people? Go ahead. Yeah, in context, in context of 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 Australia, just to put that out to everyone else in the world, that Australia is a very recently colonised and still being colonised land. So the land here is still very much being taken away from people, and it's been a very. It's only 60 years ago that indigenous people were legally referred to as humans and not not fauna. Mm. Um, that was that oh, was there was actually a legal a legal piece of information that stated that indigenous people were were, were classed as um, fauna and not and not human, and that was changed in the fifties, wow. I think. So it's it's a very very um, it's st- like the, the sense of safety I would imagine for indigenous people is a completely different thing to what it is for me as a white colonial woman living now on mm. on indigenous land. And I would, and so for me with mother tongue, I try my hardest to make sure that, that there is a sense of safety for those people. I start every um, every event by acknowledge not just acknowledging them, but acknowledging the stories and the power of stories of this land, and how that by being in that space, that I really hope that we are adding to and not taking away from that legacy of stories because they've had so much taken away already and and still being taken away, but there is still so much going strong, and we have had um, indigenous. Uh, features women who we featured who are indigenous women and we get we do have indigenous women who come in the audience as well and um, and witness and I think that I like to hope that we we do create a space that is that feels safe for them and if not then I really hope to find out how we can make it more so but um, as far as I know as a non-indigenous woman from the feedback I've got from my friends who are indigenous yeah they feel safe to come and speak there wonderful awesome that's yeah. <laughs> I can't even believe. I can't even con- conceive. It hurts me to think of of people being considered fauna, being considered not even human. So, mm. but but mm. that there is the thing that okay. This is a very important point. The thing that a lot of people don't understand about feminism is they like to think that it's only about women and about femininity, mm. but a true mm. feminist is about human rights and about, about raising mm. up like the indigenous, like, you know, all the different, even men, we've even talked about it tonight, what we could do to help men to listen to men right. and what they struggle through. Mm. And that's what a feminist is to me. Is somebody yeah, that's well, I mean, for like, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There really is that feeling that if, that if, like we can't truly rise until everyone is rising, right? And yeah. um, and mm-hmm. with so much, this we live in a world that is such a complicated tangle of trauma, personal and cultural and spiritual trauma, that um, 
that's not going to be the easiest process to unpick. But I think that we are, I, I like to think that we are actually beginning a process um, globally of becoming aware of those traumas and unpicking them. And um, that might not be in every single person on this planet, but it's definitely a very, a very large narrative that's being spoken about now. And I'm all for that. <clears throat> it kind of go, it overleaps into, into kind of concepts of shame and blame. And I really love, I'm very a big fan of Brene Brown's work and she talks about shame and vulnerability and oh, the, the, there's, there's such a difficult, yeah, I just absolutely adore her. And, um, and to, to be approaching these scenarios, we have to really bear in mind that, that there is shame and there is blame. And when people are carry, carrying shame, it's a paralyzing scenario. And so I'm just really, yeah, I think that, um, that we've got to start moving, moving our asses a little bit and, and create, beginning to unpick the multiple levels and tangles of, because yeah, you've got the, like the privileged white cis male story of like, yeah, well, you've got all the privilege, but then he has his own story as an individual person and the way he's been brought up culturally, that doesn't take away from the fact that he has all that privilege, but he also doesn't, but him having that privilege doesn't take away from his own personal story. Um, and his own his own traumas and his own his own stuff that he's carrying. So it's this immense a global untangling of all these tiny little knots that are all also entangled with each other. And pulling one string, you know, can unravel so much for one person, but it might tighten something elsewhere. And I don't I have no idea how we go about um, how we go about <laughs> doing that, except for just trying to act in integrity and with as much openness and awareness as we can, and with listening ears and and loving hearts, really. Yes. I, I I wanted to, when I was looking for information on you, uh, doesn't that sound weird? As I was siren stalking <laughs> you, please. <laughs> we all were. Um, I, I found, um, I found a, 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 you're doing an album, Reason to Dream is the, the thing on Bandcamp. I posted it on Pagans Tonight, uh, mm. our, our page, and I found it very powerful as well as would be expected because you, you have this, this mastery of, um, of not just taking words, but taking words and putting the power behind it, which is, mm. you know, it's a gift that, that poets, thank you so much. We, we should honor our poets a lot more. And I'm glad that, that mm. the internet has been able to give in you uh, a voice that you can share across the world. But mm. I'm, I'm sounding like I'm simpering. I'm not trying to, to, uh, I just want to go ahead and make sure that I'm honoring the gift that you've given us uh, is amazing. Mm. And reason to dream is an, is another one that really touched me. I was like listening to it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to send this to my daughters because I can mm. see them struggle uh-huh. with, with what's in reason. I think another one that absolutely uh, touched me was Poppy. Yeah. Yeah, Poppy. Poppy yeah. just, uh, it actually hit me more being from um, New York City with so many people in that position. It just, it hit home. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I did, I've always wondered how it would play out in the States, Poppy, because it is all about the tall Poppy concept. And I've been told by a lot of people that that's not such an issue in the States. But then when I think about it, I'm like, well, no, I feel like every, it might not be called the tall Poppy complex, but I, I know, I, I really struggle to believe that women are not pulled down when they shine in the States. Right. You know, I'm, I'm sure that happens. I'm sure yeah. that happens. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. I, I did that. I did get to do that one when I was out at National Poetry Slam, um, and it, yeah, it was, 
it was it's definitely different speaking on a different land with a different culture, but I think it still hit home for a lot of people. Absolutely. I th- that was just as beautiful as witches. I mean, they all are. <laughs> all of your words have such tremendous meaning to them. And and you perform well, them so well that you mesmerize people. Mm-hmm. You catch their attention and, and that's a gift. It's actually something and, and you say it's a gift. I'm gonna oh go, go on, you say thing. No, you go ahead, but I do have something okay. to add to that. Sure. Um, for me, this sense of, of mesmerizing, it's not, it, it is a gift, but it's actually, it's also an unlearning that, that everybody has the capacity to do because I think that what a storyteller does, and this is what I look at a lot in my work, is we manipulate. We are very, we have the power of manipulation as our tool, as our, that's like our magic um, craft. Right. And when, you, when we use the term manipulate, it has such negative connotations to it and people are, people are afraid and ashamed to take people on journeys. And um, and I think about the amount of spoken word poets who I see who get up on stage and they do their poem, but they they're not prepared to manipulate the audience. They're not prepared to go in with all their commitment and take the audience on an emotional journey. Because if you think about clay, when I say manipulate clay, we think where well, you can make sculptures and beautiful things with that. And it's the same with our emotions. And as a as a storyteller, the capacity to be able to um, tell a story in a way that manipulates people's emotions and imagination, so they can actually see things. Is a, is a powerful um, tool that we can use, and I think a lot of people are afraid and ashamed of using it. But then I think about movies. You don't you don't see a movie, and at the end of the movie, when you've been taken away by all this, you don't get the director stepping out and going, "Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry about that. I didn't mean to right. make you believe the fairies existed for a minute. I'm sorry." It's like it's like the name flies up in huge letters, going, "I did this. I'm so proud." And it's like, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> and I think that that. That's what we need to bring over into our actual voices. We can do that in other ways, but can we actually do that with our voices and be prepared to um, to really captivate people without shame? Exactly. And you know, well, uh, next slide. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, very quickly, Lord, just to project, piggyback in that thought. Uh, that is another thing that we need to decolonize. You know, we are so pushed and programmed to succeed and to thrive and to do our best. And then when we reach that goal, people say, but don't you dare talk about it. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Recognize your, your uh, success. And um, you don't know this, Lacey, but I actually post uh, photos on my Facebook. And one of my hashtags is my ego is my friend. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because nice. We really, we really need to uh, recognize and build each other and recognize, you know, when somebody accomplished something, something. Uh, you know, to, to to recognize and to celebrate. Why not? You know. Yeah. Right. I mean, the ego is a sense of self. It's our it's our um, awareness oh, yeah. of self. And actually, if I don't spend time working on my awareness of self, then my self takes over, and I'm driven by my ego. Whereas right. if I am mm-hmm. actually spending time with my ego, spending time learning about my sense of self, learning about who myself is and what it wants in this world and what it generally wants to give, then when I'm actually going out in the world, I know that I'm not just going from I'm not being my my ego isn't driving me I am I am working alongside using my ego as a tool to to do better things in this world mm-hmm. and that exactly. leads me to what I was trying to say is it's not only that you're the the wordsmith not it's not only how you you present it it's the fact that the reason it resonates with us is that we find that in ourselves and that's mm. the the you know a, a good artist uh, elicits that from people and and that's what your poem witches did that's what you know all these poems that we've read have 
done because we say, oh, I get that. That's me too. Mm. And we find that, mm. that we, we all have this in ourselves. Um, I wanted mm. to, to hit real quick about Reason to Dream and, and about this album, specifically about the album. I want that in, and then I would like Laura and, and Lori, I'm going to, I know I monopolize a lot of this and I, I, no, you're fine. I know that I'm, <laughs> I, I you can have me back. Time. You can have me back another day. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yay! Yay! Oh, um, I'm taking your but, word on that. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> but the reason to dream, tell me about the album. Tell me about the album. What are you doing? What is this album? Yes. Yeah, so basically, um, two years ago now, I think, oh no, a year, just over a year ago, I launched a possible campaign, like a, a crowdfunding campaign for an album. And me and two guys, um, Fahad Abdullah and uh, Joe Oppenheimer, we um, we embarked on making an album of my spoken word. So they're, they're producers, they're like electronic and acoustic musicians. And um, the album's going to be coming out in a few months I think by now we've we haven't got an exact date for it but probably middle of the year it's called unhear this and um and then that that reason to dream is the first single from the album and the next single is going to be out in the next two weeks um and it's actually a, a completely different poem it's a really it's kind of edging on a, a erotic and um and exploring Ooh. the shame around eroticism oh, and wonderful. and around um and around polyamory and around love and declaration Ooh. of love, of like affection as well, and queer and also queer eroticism. So yeah. So when you have the album, when it when it finally does drop, please reach out to us then, because any any one of the three of us or any of the other yeah. hosts on our, our our network would love to have you as a guest. So Thank you, please. <laughs> Go ahead, Laura. You could you. All have Go ahead, individually. Laura. That's fine. No, it was just me being silly saying dibs, dibs, dibs. I take dibs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The album, the album. I'm really excited about the album. It's my first time having music put behind the tracks, and the first tri- the first single is completely different to what I ever imagined would happen. I'm such an acoustic musician. I have a love of hip hop. I have a love of electronic music, but like my my home has always been acoustic music. So to have some like electronic dance music behind my poetry was a bit of a shock to my system wow. originally. But I actually really like it. I really like the track. And the next track's got a bit more of a kind of like sexy. I wrote the bass line for it, and it's got this kind of sexy bassy kind of slow beat roll to it, which I'm really excited about. And there's a couple of tracks on the on the album also that are just piano and and guitar and things like that. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Very much. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> so what was it like for you? How how was your <laughs> couple of days after reaching the one million? Um, I am very glad that my daughter was with her father for those days because I was just barely I was so deeply immersed in the screen world. Um for, for multiple reasons, partly because of that dopamine hit of like, oh my god, people like my stuff. Like, <laughs> like I can't lie, I definitely <laughs> got that. Um, and partly because of the, the, then my business brain comes in, you know, as like a, a an entrepreneurial single mama, and I'm like, leverage, leverage, how do I leverage? And then like, <laughs> I, and then I like 
confused myself completely because I'm not actually that much of a businesswoman. <laughs> and I like fell out the other side going like, I don't, I'm not going to do anything. And then, um, and then just sucked it up and continued doing what I was doing anyway, which was preparing, like getting, my website was like in the middle of a makeover when that happened. And I was about to launch my online course. I was meant to launch it on the like Tuesday or something or the Wednesday, the Tuesday afterwards or the Monday afterwards. Mm-hmm. But, um, actually got scared because so many people were watching me I was like oh my god what if I put it out there and I get burned what if they're like oh well now you're trying to make money off this stuff and I'm like no this is something I've been doing for five years I promise you know like right and so I felt that yeah. I felt the fear and then, then I had to remind myself I was like no Fleecy this is what you're about like you feel the fear and you're going to do it anyway because this is actually you putting yourself out there in your honesty and in your integrity so the first week was a real dance between absolute um like ecstatic excitement excitement for what it meant for me as a person but also what it meant for women as a whole the reaction I was getting from women and the fact that so many people resonated with those words was a really um encouraging thing for me and then also just being completely overwhelming completely intimidating completely petrifying and scary like to go from being I could feel that a million people knew that I existed suddenly right like I could feel that I could feel my energy just like very much being picked up on by a lot of people and that was it took a lot of work to kind of just keep myself centered and bring myself back in and stop myself from having little <laughs> little mini freakouts. so I'm very glad that my daughter wasn't with me on those days because it would have been harder <laughs> I understand I understand I get you um I I asked the uh, I I would love to to know if you would perform uh, either witches or or any one of your your pieces if you would grace us with that if you feel would you yeah I would love to um I would I would love to rather than doing witches because I feel like um it's pretty easy to find online witches now so maybe I will gift you with something different uh as a as a as an extra gift if that's okay because I feel like people can listen to witches or they've probably already heard it <laughs> the amount of people that have heard it but um does that oh, work wow. are you okay with that laura you really 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 yes. want witches yeah uh would you like i'm going to give you the option i can do tall poppy because we've talked about it and it feels very resonant with the, what we've been talking about or i can do um northern lights which is the next poem but it is definitely edging on the world of eroticism not just edging definitely mm-hmm. in the world of eroticism so oh. it's up to you and your show Either one. Both. Pam, what do you think? <laughs> Both. You know where we always okay. go. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking, I know Laura. I, I know, know Laura, and go, I, think Laura. <laughs> I think Laura would like the Northern Lights, and I think, uh, yes. you know, I would like to hear Poppy, tell Poppy, because, okay. you know, it, it resonated with Lori. So, Great. So I'll do it in that order. I'm, I'll do Northern Lights for I'm you, and greedy. then I'll do Poppy. Yeah. <laughs> I love being devoured, so that's great. We'll work in both. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll start with Northern Lights. Um, As a little backstory, because it's good to give the introduction to this one, is that I was writing a book of erotic poetry last year called Sex and God, and um, I was completely infatuated with this person. And after two years of waiting, we finally went, or a year and a half, we finally went on our first date, and I had written a poem that was in the book to them, and I... um, I read it to them, and uh, and this is this is kind of inspired by that. Awesome. Is that it? Is that it? You said, 
as I close my book, having shared shaking guts, a poem of my hunger for you. That air of expectancy. I mean, what did you expect from me? I had said it was erotic, and it was, kind of. I mean, I didn't say how I had imagined tracing the curves of your body with my fingertips as I gently caressed my own, but, you know, <sighs> that shit's hard to say in a poem, especially to a woman, to a woman that I like. To a woman that I haven't even held hands with yet danced with a million times in my imagination. That shit's hard to say in a poem. And though I didn't say in such forward words within the verse how my body responds to you. How the warm, wet, pulsating song of my vulva sings out into the night like a fucking siren. <laughs> because I'm afraid of being the one left dashed upon the rocks left weeping in the arms of my partner as he lovingly holds me through yet another wave of my pain. Again. And now I didn't tell you how sometimes I conjure up your smile on lonely nights, how your music makes my spine arch, how sometimes I use your face to take me over the edge. I lay in bed ashamed. I never asked your permission. To lay you across the skies of my imagination and make love to you like the northern nights on a winter's night in Alaska. And though I didn't tell you how often I think of buying you flowers, but don't, out of respect for your fiancé. <laughs> the two of you share such a beautiful, bold and tender love. And although everyone in this situation is in the know, I don't know, that kind of courage just escapes me. But maybe... Or maybe one day I'll find a poetic way to say, Woman, I am drawn to you like oceans to the moon. I long to lap upon your shores, to touch my fuzzy cheek with yours, to share bed with you, break bread with you. Moonlight walk, deep talk, and, well, give head with you. But that shit's hard to say in a poem. Thank you. <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Silence. Laura? Wow. <laughs> Laura? What are you doing? Are you there? Laura? <laughs> Over to you. That was, that was beautiful. Okay, so hyper-regulated. I think I need a shower. Find yourself, people. The, the one time you get handed the microphone, Laura, is the one moment you're speechless. <laughs> <laughs> I was muted because I okay. was thinking. Oh. I was imagining. Yeah, we were all muted and thinking. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, I, I definitely can't wait for the album. <laughs> right? I think. Wow. I think I'll have to listen to that again later and mute myself, or maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the amount of people that tell me that my book um, is kept on their bedside table, I've lost count of how often that's been said to me. I take it as a compliment. Awesome. As you should. And, and, and yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Well, so would you like another poem? That... Or would you like, some, would you like some decompression time from that one? Oh, no. What I, I would love another one. That... <laughs> And what I need to say is that me speechless doesn't happen that often, okay? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very rarely speechless. 
Wow. I think they need to have a cigarette, and I don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> then it works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's not my favorite. Okay, so how do we go from there? I'm sorry, go uh, ahead. How do we go from there? Um, I was just saying that's not my most raunchy poem, but it's definitely the, the it's definitely up there. So, but from there on, I can give you Poppy now if you would like. Love yes. it. Beautiful. So, um, I don't think I'll need to do an introduction to this one. I think the story tells itself. She was fourteen. She was born with dreams of stardom. She'd already mastered the art of slalom to dodge the bullets thrown by the harsh tongues of adolescence. Her spirit palescent. Her mind sharp with a curious harp. She was the perfect target for it. She danced. Spent her days in trance with the flickering of unreachable stars. They called her Poppy. And spent their days trying to cut her down. Eventually they didn't miss, they hit, she split down the centre, caught in the rift between reality and dreams. She fell and hit the ground. No longer she danced. Spent her days in trance with visions of soaring high and studying grass. She walked smoke-paved paths, they called her poppy. So she'd fall on her ass. But her roots were deep. So she took to the street where her wit could save her from defeat. Her arms stretched, her thumb took chart the path. Her backpack carried heavy maps that carved their mark upon her heart. She touched the stars, the fallen ones, just like her, where needles and smoke rings had become the cure, all stretched on cardboard beds, all lost and found in the heart and the head, all called Poppy, just like her each one cut before their prime, symptoms of a society that just isn't quite right. I mean, when did it become such a crime to shine? Poppy stared into the eyes of fallen flowers, all doped up on reasons to escape and realised that her fate just wasn't headed that way. Her demise hadn't begun, her rise was on its way, and she followed with her eyes as the sun continued every day. You see, Poppy, Poppy was not her name. She was born a different seed. But Poppy she became when names get thrown by fear and greed. Yes, she was tall. Yes, she was bright. And others afraid tried to smother her light. But her heart wasn't blood red. It was golden like the sun. And she followed its movements from the moment it rose until it was done. She left the streets with a knowing that every fallen flower is a curse. That this world will become infertile if it keeps crushing all its girls. She let her back stand up straight. Petals unfurl. She would claim back her own name. She would inspire all the world. You see, she, she is not a poppy. She never has been. She is a sunflower growing, and she is full of ripening seeds. And the thing about a sunflower that's so special, you see, is it's impossible to just pass one by without taking a moment to drink. You know, like, oh, if I had a garden, or, oh, maybe when I get back home, or maybe I'll plant sunflowers just so I can watch them grow. And so she lives like this, leaving in her path, a trail of scattered sunflower seeds and a field of blooming hearts, each rising with each other to see how bright they can become, each turning to each other, each made of earth and sun. And the truth of this story is that every single one of us sitting in our rooms, 
Whether we're a poppy or a sunflower, we all deserve the right to bloom. <sighs> that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I'm, you know, and when I say literally, I'm not, <laughs> I'm literally wiping away a tear right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a friend. Now do you understand exactly. why that hit me so hard? Yeah. There's, there's a, one of our hosts on uh, Alternating Wednesdays, Megan, uh, Maggie the Green, she identifies with sunflowers and, and I, I heard I heard her story and that's I heard her story not only mine but hers that's what you right. do mm. exactly mm. so with that story you've heard so many other stories from so many women mm. just as in witches mm. beautiful I can't believe how 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 power I, I I had an an idea that this would be a powerful show, <laughs> but mm. it has exceeded my expectations. Yeah, it has exactly. exceeded my expectations. I mean, I love being able to do a show with 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 the wonderful uh, with with Laura and Lori uh, because they're very powerful women in their own rights, and and to have to to be able to inter- interview you, Felicia, and to support my uh, fellow hosts here in this interview it's ah, this is what yes. it's about <laughs> I agree thank you so much thank for you. having me on it's been a real pleasure to oh, just chat you with are some so welcome. Awesome women you have a, quite a few other things coming up um, I know you're coming stateside sometime this year uh, I hope so. I will see how it goes. I am um, looking to possibly do a Canada and North America tour probably later in the year. Um, I'm, I, once again, I think I'm going to be in the um, – it's looking like I'll end up in the grand final for the Spoken Word Slam. So I don't know if I'll make awesome. it on the team, but I would love to, um, I would love to head out well, to the NPS again this year and just see all the community. Awesome. So we would love to help promote that for you. So you can email either one of us. And um, yeah, we want to help you get Thank out you. and get as much information as you possibly need us to help you with. Thank you. I really and one appreciate thing that, that. One thing that Laura can uh, Laura can help out with is 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 um, hopefully helping introduce more of your work to the Spanish speaking uh, the Spanish speaking community. That's yes. What I love Absolutely. Laura for. Go ahead, Laura. Yeah, I, I would love that. No, I was going to say we, we you will definitely be hearing from me from me, um, especially when the album comes out and and if you know when you come to the states, uh, obviously you know to to help you promote everything because we love your work and and we need that word, you know it's it's really mm-hmm. important that you help us lift each other up and inspire people, you know. That's Thank you. That's what yeah. art does. Is inspire people that uh you know they might be in a very very dark place and listening to one word just light a candle and inspire people to be mm. lifted so mm. we will really i i definitely i i'm bowing about it right now you know i'm definitely going to reach out to you and try to have you on lunatic mondays soon yeah <laughs> you know but thank you yeah. for being here tonight yeah thank you laura i really appreciate it it's been really wonderful um hearing your 
hearing your support and here and especially when you told me how far it reached through South America and um that's oh, Central America and I think that's that's a really um I have personal experience with dear friends of mine of of the kind of like you said the um kind of male focused man focused mindset out there and uh, misogynistic that's the word I'm thinking of misogynistic mindset that you said that you'd experienced and um to feel like my words may have supported some women who have lived through that, then I just, yeah, I'm, I feel very yeah. honored to thank you. Yeah. And, well, and we thank truly, you. Um, we thank you for I, everything that you do. Mm. I was just going to say, Go ahead, Laura, you were an event because uh, people share your poem on the Spanish groups, and then I went and I announced that we were going to do this interview, and mm. Truly, there was like a really good uh, response, especially for like deep South America, Argentina, yeah. Chile, Bolivia. Yeah. It's like wow. Yeah. Yeah, that beautiful. Well, big big shout out to all of the Latino Latino sisters out there who are, who are listening. If there's anyone who understands about reclaiming the fire, I think it's I think it's the Latino community of women, because um because that, that's what this is about. Really, it's reclaiming our fire as women and standing into our words. So yeah, big love to you all. Yep. I I just thank you. It just came. It just came to me while while we were talking about this. Is you truly, you truly with this poem and and how viral it is, have made the poem the voice of International Women's Day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is a huge mantle to place upon you. Lucy, yeah, that's quite but, a big thing. No, but, but you, you, you did that with our voices. It, it was our, mm. all of us. It, it was you and it was us. And that's why, why it resonates. It was you and it was mm. us. Yeah. I'm getting all well, pumped. I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I remember speaking with you the day after telling you, you I hope you realize what you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't you've got a I lot realize. of fans. I think I'm still, I think I'm still working it out. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you so much for being, being here with us. I, we, we, we went almost the full two hours, and and I appreciate you giving us this extra yeah. time. Um, it's you know, uh, it's Saturday there, and it's almost Saturday <laughs> here. <laughs> and um, not only that, it is her lover's birthday, and she actually took <gasps> time away, and I appreciate that so much. Thank you. <laughs> Happy birthday! I want to make sure that you you understand as well the the link that that I finally gave. I'm so sorry for for making the mistake of Mercury and retrograde. The first link, um, the link that we gave you is good for you to share with whomever you wish. Please, um, thank you for for sharing this conversation with us, and we would be very honored if you shared our voices with yours to you know. And hopefully have other voices join in. Uh, Definitely. I mean, if, really if you send me the link. No, no, if you send me the link. I mean, I, I always promote the podcast and stuff that I'm on. So if you send me a link to it, do you, do you save the shows afterwards? Yes. I, as I was yeah, telling you, all our shows are archived. So you, anybody can go back at any time to listen. Beautiful. So if you can just send me exactly which link that is, then I'm, I'm very happy to share it <laughs> and put it out. and Because I think that people Wonderful. love just like – Listening to stuff like this, good conversations between people. So, thank you. And Northern Lights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You're still laughs> <there>. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, wow. do you have any, any final words? 
Laura? Oh, just to say thank you to everybody who's listening now or to whoever is going to listen later on the recording. Thank you so much to Fleecy for uniting the world once again, you know. Uh, three people here, for, uh, four people here from different backgrounds and different places in the world, and one sentiment, which is, you know, women rising. Thank you so much for being here. It's really an honor and a pleasure to have been part of this show. Thank you to Pamela. Thank you to Lori. And, of course, as always, thank you to witchcool.com and to Reverend Don Lewis and everybody that is behind this work and this wonderful station. I just and, love uh, you. Thank you for all the plugs, Laura. Oh, you're, well, I, you know, I've been doing this for about, what, five, six years now? <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> don't forget to go to the Lunatic Mondays page and like it and follow the events. And uh, first and only bilingual show for Pagan Tonight Radio Network. And uh, now I'm just going to be quiet and let you all do your thing. Good night. Good night, Good Laura. Night. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, yes, Thank very you. much. I'm trying to think of a song to wrap up on. Um, I I played some Wendy Rule, uh, and I, I brought up that you, you need to, to reach out if you can. She's living mostly in the United States now, but she's originally from Australia, and I think that if you can meet her, uh, that the two of you would, would definitely hit it off. So Wendy Rule, uh, uh, R-U-L-E, um, and Spiral Dance uh, is, a, is a band right. from – from Australia as well, uh, and they they are there, and and those would be women that that you would possibly run into in this in the work that you're doing. So I'm putting a plug in for for both of them, uh, Spiral Dance and Wendy Roll. So we played both of them tonight. So I I know what we'll do. My sister the moon will end with my sister the moon from Wendy Roll here on Pagan Tonight Radio Network. Thank you, Lucy. You change your fair and blue eyes.
did you 